This is Steve Weiner. I used to write for The David Letterman Show. This is Mike Chisholm, who spent his entire life dreaming of being on The David Letterman Show and will never happen. Watch his podcast instead. Welcome once again to The Letterman Podcast. My name is Mike Chisholm. Today's episode is one I have been hoping for for a very long time. And if my exuberance uh, is too much for you, I apologize. I am just so excited to have John Beckerman on today. This is one of those ones where uh, there are some uh, uh, very cool things that have come into play to make this thing happen. I wanted John on this time last year. Uh, John was filming a project in England that uh, you know we talk about in this mammoth episode, gigantic episode, uh, and uh, and he was there. And the and the thought was always, okay, you know what? When I get back. Uh, well, I'll come on the show at that point at that, you know, when that happened, uh, timing was off a little bit and we, we, we didn't have him on at that point. And then fast forward to, um, a couple of weeks ago on the official Letterman channel, John Beckerman's staff favorite moments, uh, uh, segment came out and it was fantastic. So good. I highly recommend, of course, after watching this episode or listening to this episode, um, you go to the YouTube channel, the official Letterman YouTube channel. And you ha uh, have a gander at John Beckerman's staff favorite moment. It's so cool because not only is it chocked full of amazing Letterman memories, there's a lot of heart in this one. He is, the way that John approached his staff favorite moments segment was beautiful because the way he approached it was he was going to talk about relationships that he got um, and, and was a part of when he was uh, employed by David Letterman and company. So what did John Beckerman do there? Well, he was a writer, of course, uh, became head writer. We have a great conversation about that in this episode. And I just love uh, looking back on things with the, you know, the benefit of hindsight, hindsight being 2020, looking at things, where is your sweet spot? You're trying new things. Uh, what, are they going, are those new things going as well as the things that you know already? And, and John, talks a lot about the growth that he has had. We go almost three hours for this thing. And like he said, we almost at the end of it, we felt like we just barely scratched the surface. He's going to come back. That's fantastic. John had a fantastic career, unique career within the David Letterman uh, mythos. He was a writer, head writer. Then he went on to work for Worldwide Pants. He helped co-create, uh, helped co-create, I guess helped. No, he co-created the show Ed with Rob Burnett. And I love that show. I don't know about you. So we spend a chunk of this episode talking about Ed. Thank goodness. I've wanted to do that right from the start. And we, of course, talk to him about his hijinks, his life, the lessons that he learned with uh, his career in his during his career with David Letterman and company. And just like his staff favorites moments, he comes at this thing with a lot of vulnerability, a lot of heart, and it shows through. This is a guy... Uh, that is in many ways the opposite of me, chief being. He see, thinks before he speaks. A clearly brilliant mind, product of Harvard, uh, the Lampoon. Uh, John's one of those guys. Uh, we talk a lot about that. And and I, one thing I really appreciate about him, not just his heart for you know the relationships that he built, and that's that's how he built his memories for his segment, but also just you can really really feel the thoughtfulness when he speaks, and uh, the authenticity as well. And I really appreciate that about John. It's funny. I, I'm not disappointed by any of these things, but there are some times where I have really high expectations for how a conversation is going to go. This one here, 
the expectations were really high and the, the, the actual blew it out of the water. Uh, we hope very much that this will not be the last time that John Beckerman is on the Letterman podcast uh, and, and, and uh, we'll be able to do some really fun things moving forward. You will see and hear with this episode, the door is most certainly open for those, those things. There's a whole bunch of uh, creative ideas we could get from this. And uh, it's a lot of fun and really, really grateful that I get to present this episode uh, to the to the masses out there, to those of us who love uh, David Letterman and company and the works behind it. This is a really, really important episode for this for this thing that we're doing here that is the Letterman Podcast. There is one sponsor of the Letterman Podcast that is hello-daily.com, Rupert G. Uh, if you want Late Show with David Letterman merchandise like mugs, fat hat, shirts, all sorts of stuff, go to hello-deli.com and Rupert himself will pack and send that order to you. Buy once, buy often, buy presents for people. Tell your friends, hello-deli.com. Um, the only sponsor of the Letterman podcast. It is a genuine, genuine pleasure to present to you a very special episode. And we're not wearing that out. It's true. A very special episode of the Letterman podcast. We give you John Beckerman. John, uh, I cannot thank you enough for coming on to the Letterman podcast today. You are one of those guys that uh, has been at the very tippy top of the list for me. Uh, you and Rob, of course, because of the Letterman stuff, of because of when your tenure um, with the productions of David Letterman uh, occurred, but then yeah. also because of Ed. I'm a huge fan oh. of the show Ed. Um, my first question for you. So you're the guy. I'm the guy. Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, great. Small town uh, bowling alley lawyer. Uh, I'm right there. I'm, I'm your demo. Um, how many it. times a week now do you get asked if Ed is ever going to be streaming or on DVD or anything like that? Does it still happen? I know it used to happen it a still lot. Happens. It still happens. Yeah. It still happens. And yeah, Rob even just uh, forwarded me something he saw. I think it was in the New York Times where uh, some TV writer was asked about shows that, you know, are kind of, where are these shows? Why aren't they available? And one of the ones she mentioned was Ed. Um, and she did add some snarky thing like, you know, it, well, Ed was sort of always the bridesmaid. So I don't know if you should get your hopes up whenever <laughs> seeing it. And, wow. uh, so yeah, Rob and I are calling each other bridesmaid. <laughs> um but uh yeah i do get asked um and i do think that if the show were to somehow appear on streaming that it would attract an audience i think people like that sort of show and there's like 80 some episodes to view and i think uh if it could all be sorted out um yeah it's i'm still proud of it and i'd, I'd love to see it have a second life like so many other things have that show is how I became aware of your uh, uh, aware of your name outside of uh, of Letterman because you know the created sure. by uh, you know uh, and and seeing both of you and Rob on that show uh, your names uh, it was such a such a point of pride for a guy who loved Letterman for so long but for so long felt like I was in some sort of an underground bunker where I would go to high <sighs> school or, or or whatever and it would be like you know ten or fifteen people would exchange eye glances if we knew something on the show happened. Right. something fantastic happened on the show the night before it was it was this little club but then seeing 
you know, some of the some of the, some of the, the the folks go to the Simpsons, seeing some of the folks mm-hmm. go to and and uh, to other shows, uh, Married to Children, of course, Kevin. Um, but then you guys actually worldwide pants logo and and production yeah. of other shows. It was such a neat thing, and Ed was very very special because of the quirky nature of it, but yet at the same time, the very high standard of quality. Um, you know, we can do an entire episode on Ed. I just want you to know there's a lot of love for that show. Uh, people have asked me That's about so it cool. as well. So I, you know, I, it's something I hear about occasionally, but it's, it's a long time ago now. So it's nice that anybody remembers it and has good feelings about it. Um, it was, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that show could be made today. Um, so I'm glad I got to do it when I got to do it, uh, you know, which I think owed partially to the, I guess, the quality of the script we had written, but even more so to the fact that, uh, you know, the Letterman show was was very, uh, a very powerful thing. And we were part of that. And so the wind was blowing at our backs to do you know, the kind of show that even at the time I think was hard to get made and today would be virtually impossible. Uh, you know, light hours as they call them, which uh, aren't really dependent on, um, you know, high stakes storytelling uh, or, you know, there's no hospital, there's no uh, murders, you know what I mean? So it's, yep. it's, it's not easy to do those. Um, and I'm, um, yeah, just I'm happy looking back that we got to. I wouldn't want to do it again because it was punishingly hard. I mean, in the days of 22 episode seasons to do an hour every week, um, it's probably the hardest thing I've ever done. And that includes, you know, my time at Letterman at its most difficult. Um, wow. So that is saying I'm glad, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it. I, I, uh, yeah. That is certainly saying something, and 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 uh, you know I'm certain that you you won't enjoy me throwing you into this category, but to me you are in this category. I think of um, I was a big Aaron Sorkin fan, and 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 knowing how mm. hard he worked on Sports Night and West Wing and and and, and all of that, uh, at West yeah. Wing particularly, you know, four seasons of that, head down trying to get that yeah. show made, and in many ways uh, a similar tone to Ed in 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 even though the topics were completely different. But that light hour, there was a lot of humor, um, and, yeah. and and following that that balance, I I would compare the two, and he has also said very similar sentiments. Trying to get an hour like that on a, on every week, very very difficult. That is very telling, though. You saying because Letterman, the breakneck speed, all of the stuff. I mean, you know, we've read the Bill Carter books, all that. For you to mm-hmm. say that that was the hardest thing that you've gone through, that's quite the statement, John. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, the uh, head writer of Letterman is the second hardest thing I've done. And, um, you know, I would say uh, emotionally more difficult than than co-running uh, Ed. But Ed, in terms of the actual amount of work, was um, was crazy and... You know, I think part of it, frankly, is that we were unable or unwilling or unready or some combination uh, to find a way to 
leverage the abilities of the writing staff we had on board for that for Ed. Um, and we ended up doing it all, you know, I won't say all, but the lion's share of it ourselves, me and Rob Burnett, and that's no way to uh, do that job and keep your, you know, keep balance. your sanity or, yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> forget about balance. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. Uh, and, you know, maybe if I were to try a, a show like that again, I'd, I'd be, I'd have a different approach, but, but we, uh, yeah, you know, he will always be my, um, my buddy from the trenches from, you know, all the things we did together. Uh, we had a very, uh, very tight bond and, um, work together very, very well for whatever reasons of temperament or, yep. you know, that our, our abilities complemented each other in some way. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I couldn't have done that show without him and wouldn't have wanted to. Um, now I'm doing things on my own and, you know, different sorts of things, but like, but yeah, that experience uh, will always be an experience that I share with him, you know, as many of the Letterman stuff that many of the stuff. Wow. I'm good at this. Um, you know, many, many of the pieces we worked on together over the years at Letterman. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm proud of, um, of uh, the body of work that he and I did together. I, uh, I'm really grateful to hear you talk about that. And it, it's funny, um, you know, in the, in the, in the width and breadth of, of what we've done with this show here, um, you know, how many different uh, combinations of personalities that would get together and, and, and just click and end up doing things together. Um, you know, yeah. and sometimes it was straight up writer partnerships. Like you think about Carter Bays and Craig Thomas and some of these other, the other people that came along and, and people who just found their kind of found their person that they could work with. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful uh, I want to have Rob on the show very, very badly. I understand why, um, you know, everybody is from the from 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 that crew seems to be, uh, you know, a little bit hesitant, a little bit. We talked at Rupert's uh, retirement, and 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 I I was gushing about Ed, um, and so oh, sure and, he and he, but he was that. like, okay, you say you want to talk about Ed, but then we'll talk about Ed, and then you'll start talking <laughs> about other stuff. Like, no, 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 no. We could do an entire episode on Ed, and I hope that we actually do one day. Maybe I have both of you on here, and we literally. Not one drop of letter, man. We just talked about Ed. Uh, this is a nice I'm little dead. tease. People are happy about this. I'm going to go back to the beginnings. You were one of the Harvard guys, but you're one of the right. the, 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 the second rounds of uh, third rounds of Harvard guys. I want to talk all about that. But before we get to that, I have it on good authority that you once almost killed yourself uh, in a shopping cart accident. Uh, is that? Oh, is man. That, is that, <laughs> do, I have, do I have my info right on that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yes. Um, I believe, uh, we were, <laughs> we were, I don't remember if it was during a shoot week in LA or a remotes week or whatever, you know, we did, we did these shows from LA, which was super fun because I was not an LA person. I had never lived there and barely been there. And, uh, it was very special to like go out and spend a couple weeks um, shooting remotes and then we'd come back and, you know, edit it all and get the shows ready. And then we'd go back and do the actual shows. Um, and 
Yeah, I think I I think I went out to some special dinner at Morton's Steakhouse with uh with uh Spike and Donick and Jill and uh uh I don't even remember who all was there, but we came out we probably had a uh uh a glass or two of an adult beverage and <laughs> there was a there was a shopping cart just sitting there and I was cajoled to climb into it, which I did. And they started this feels like a, a spike thing, spike slash donic thing, but yeah, they started pushing me down the sidewalk and then the thing tipped over and I was spilled into the street where La Cienica Boulevard full of traffic and yeah, uh and live to tell the tale. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of all there is to it. But if there is a point to that story, it's that there were a few years there um, in my early 20s, because I was quite young when I first got on staff. Yeah. Uh, there were several years that were really among the most fun years of my career and of my life, just because, um, you know, it was fantastic job. Obviously I had money. I had, uh, built-in friends that I, you know, quickly, pretty quickly got to know, um, on staff and, you know, some of whom today I'm still quite close with. Um, I got to travel, I got to fly first class because, uh, that's the way, you know, the guild required it. And, I got to be on TV. I got to write for TV. Uh, it was incredible, you know? Um, and because I was not yet head writer, I I could sort of also be, you know, once I was comfortable enough to know that I was of significant value to the show, I could kind of be a brat a little bit, which I wouldn't do today, but I will admit like I did at the time, just because I was a kid, you know, and I, so I could be the one kind of with my feet up on a table, you yeah. know, like throwing out zingers. And then I became the head writer and I was like, that all hated, ended quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I grew to understand why that person is, you know, <laughs> kind of annoying. Um, but, uh, but yeah, for for a couple of years there, man, it was um, it was idyllic for me, even with the hours and the pressure, uh, you know, which I did feel, um, but you know, very intensely uh, uh, a lot of the time. But it it was still just the best. Um, yeah, it was like, and you mentioned the lampoon. That was that was kind of my first experience of really finding you know, people, the cliche of like finding your people or your tribe yep. or whatever, like, yep. you know, I had had very good friends in high school, but I had always felt like, you know, it was like me and my best friend. And then we were sort of, you know, we'd come in each day and talk about, you know, we were like the freaks and geeks kids, essentially. The outlier and kids. Then, abs, abs, yeah. I know who you're talking about. And, yeah. And then when I got to, uh, Harvard was, you know, lucky enough to be able to go there and um, found a lot of other kind of nerds of the same stripe as myself. And then when I got on the Lampoon, it it was that times 10. Um, and 
And then that persisted as I managed to become a professional writer and especially at Letterman, uh, where I just, you know, after the period of time that it took me to get used to it, get the hang of it, come out of my shell, I I felt extremely at home there, which was fantastic for me. It was something I, I really needed at that time in my life. Uh, so, so uh, you know, there's so many people who have come on um, this show or spoken on other records talking about, um, you know, you, you are that next generation. It's fun. Like, like I think about Rogalski, I think about Dave Rogalski and, and, and mm-hmm. when he was at, 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 at uh, college and what Letterman meant to uh, the folks that attended that campus at that time, um, you sure. know, you're that next generation. When you get to Harvard and you start to find your tribe uh, and, and, and your place um, and the lampoon itself, are you aware of the Letterman lineage at that point? Um, are you just happy to be yeah. in the room? Okay, so you were aware right away. So you're asking like when I'm on the lampoon. Yeah, yeah. When I you know? when you when you got it walked into your first lampoon or had the, yeah. the occurrence to go to the lampoon. Did you know that before you even uh entered Harvard that this is somewhere I want to go? Did you like Conan kind of discover it when you were there? Yeah, I I mean this sounds such a like such a privileged thing to say, but it's true. I I think the lampoon was a major reason that I chose to go to Harvard. I love hearing this. Oh, that's excellent. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Look, the fact is I was a lucky kid. I, you know, I grew up comfortably. Um, My parents sent me to an excellent school. I was a very academically driven kid. Um, That's the X factor. You You still got to have that part. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's, that's yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I mean I, I there were other things I loved besides academics I was a terrible athlete I you know I did very well in classes I loved you know I was a precocious reader I, I've been you know that that's always been kind of my greatest pleasure I discovered comedy I loved tv um I loved cartooning I was a cartoonist uh uh, comics, you know, all kind of nerdy stuff you'd expect. Um, but yeah, I was, it became part of my identity. I think part of my self identity to really excel academically. I was valedictorian Mm. and I managed to get into a bunch of schools and my dad who, uh, passed away a year ago and who I, I, you know, missed terribly, uh, drove me around. We lived in Pittsburgh and he drove me up to New England and we did the college tour thing. And I saw all these places. And I remember seeing the lampoon and, and uh, I think picking up an issue from a newsstand um, right there in Harvard square and being like, you know, cause they have a building that's a castle, like, you know, oh, Google it if, if people yeah. haven't seen it, but it's, it's this incredible, ridiculous building. And it was all about comedy. And I was like, God, if that could be my college experience, that would be phenomenal. And so, so yeah. And, and, you know, and at the time I wouldn't say I was the biggest Letterman viewer in high school just because of the hour it was on. And yes. like I mentioned, I was a nerd and I yep. was, you know, I was waking up at 6am every day. So I you didn't good see boy. it a lot. Yep. Yeah. And it was, it was long before TiVo. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And, you know, but I, when I did see it, I, 
you know, I absolutely felt like probably I go as far as to say it was the first thing I had seen that I felt spoke directly to whatever sensibility I was developing as a person who loved comedy and aspired to make it. It was, you know, to the point where, and I could, I could send you this if you have any use for it. Although there's things in it that I wouldn't want to be seen by, by, uh, by the general public, but I've got quite a bit um, of that stuff. So yes, uh, you're, uh, welcome to. I don't, I don't know if I've told this story uh, publicly before. I can't remember for sure. But so my best friend um, was a guy named Jonathan Zitrin, who I was best friends with from sixth grade on. Sixth grade was when he started going to the same school as me. And we were inseparable. And uh, at some point, in the late in our senior year, we decided to make uh, a mockumentary um, about our school and it was called School the Movie. And he was behind oh. the camera, I was the host, which, and I am not a performer. This was not something I've ever pursued, but in this thing, I was the host <laughs> and I did it like Dave, or at least like I tried, like Dave was who I was emulating when I tried yeah. to do it. And so, you know, I was walking around with a microphone and I was sort of, you know, I, I kind of was trying to to interview people the way Dave does, man on the street kind of stuff. Yep. And it was a complete like Dave impression, but it was, you know, shot on VHS and it was dumb, you know, 17 year old <laughs> me in a necktie. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, the show, as much as I got to see, it was an enormous influence on me and you know, even there were other things that I loved, like Monty Python, for example, yep. but even that, like the, that was at the time I was watching it was, uh, you know, 15 years old or something. Yep. And Letterman was what was happening right then. Uh, and yeah, I was, I was amazed by it. Um, and so I do think all of that again, privileged and obnoxious, but I think it played into my decision to choose Harvard over my other opportunities at the time. And- uh, well, No, but what you just did though, what you just did there <laughs> is many times the assumption that people make when they, you know, th th that would not be a surprising type of uh, attitude that, that uh -huh. people would, would, would have, stereotypical type attitude, right? But but what you're saying is so charming because there's only a couple times I found anyway, there's only a couple times in one's life when you have a moment of clarity like you did when you picked up the lampoon and said, wait a mm -hmm. second, this could be this like yeah. I, this. This could be college, <laughs> you know, you know, where, where, where I'm yeah. expected to perform. I mean, I'm expected to, to, to achieve to, to, to figure that's the next step. This could be it. And, and, and was... everything just kind of that light bulb moment. Right. And and. That is so beautiful that you had that at that age. What an incredible I, gift that the universe gave you. I couldn't agree more. And I really feel blessed to like the, my path. I've been very challenged at times during it, but you know, it's been, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a lucky guy. I'm a blessed and lucky guy. Uh, you know, I, 
uh, like I said, I was lucky enough to get into Harvard. I got there, fell in with a group of friends immediately and started having the best time probably of, you know, my teenage years by a million times. Oh, wow. And, and then, you know, the lampoon has this, like everything at college and these competitive, I, I mean, at a Harvard and competitive uh, schools. Yep. You can't just decide, oh, I'm going to write for the lampoon. You have to enter a, you know, uh, a very rigorous competition. Talking about Aaron Sorkin, talking about Aaron, talking about Aaron Sorkin. You watch the social network. Um, yes. And, and, and I've heard that, that they did a pretty obviously cinematic scored by Trent Reznor and, and stylistic, sure. but they did a pretty cool. Uh, rendition of some of the antics that happen uh, or happened, uh, you know, we can't confirm or deny if it still happens, but that these are the types of things that happen. My next question was about yeah. getting into the lampoon. Can you describe that you're going into it now? I just want to kind of set that stage. You ain't yeah, just getting sure. in. You're not just signing a sheet and pulling right. a tab off a, <laughs> off a bulletin board. Right. Right. Yeah. So the lampoon um, had, you know, kind of two elements. There was a social side to it. Uh, you know, it was like a club with a clubhouse um, and parties and, you know, dinners and a lot of hanging out. Um, and then we put on a magazine uh, five times a year. Uh, and, and the, you know, you work a lot harder getting into the Lampoon than you do once you're on the Lampoon, I would say. Um, Interesting. Uh, you had to, uh, you had to make a series of cuts basically. And each cut required you to generate, um, a few, a handful of pieces. And it was the first time that I had ever, uh, I, I chose to try to get on for art. I should add, because I had never written comedy before. And I thought, well, at least art is something that I, have developed, uh, you know, some chops at that yep. the average person was not a cartoonist. So I'd have an edge. And so I, I thought, all right, I'll try to get on with art. Yep. And I drew a few little things that I did not spend very much time on and I didn't make it. Um, and then, you know, I think I got some decent feedback from some people, but I didn't make it. And I don't, I don't believe anybody, well, I know for a fact, no, no other freshman got on. And so that spring, um, I had a second crack at it. There were two chances to get on each year, fall and spring. And so I thought this time I have to figure out what it actually means to try to do cartooning, you know, yeah. cause I, I just never been ambitious with it before. Yeah. And I think, yeah, actually one of the I think one of the pieces that got me on staff is hanging up there. I mean, I can't get you a good shot of it, but like I, I started trying to draw these um, kind of page or two, two page long uh, pieces that were mostly kind of autobiographical, like satire of my like teenage years, which yep. I think was pretty unusual for the lampoon. The The pieces tended to be, uh, there's a certain style. Um, th they were very cerebral and 
very abstract and there was pop culture parody and stuff like that but um there was not a lot of uh observational just slice of life comedy in it but that was what i took a crack at and i did um i think the piece that people liked the most that i did to get on was uh called rock and roll fantasy and it was a fairly true to life description of my uh getting into a a middle school rock band <laughs> um uh with some other guys i knew and it was just a very kind of dry deadpan description of what that was actually like um and then i did another one about uh going to the mall basically and people like these pieces and they were, they were the most, it was a big step for me as um, a creative person, because unlike the academic work I had done before, which I put a lot of effort into, mm -hmm. I had never invested hours and hours of work into a creative project before I had simply never done it um, with the exception of school, the movie perhaps, but that we <laughs> kind of just, we kind of just winged that, you know, Oh, by the way, it was like, by the way, yeah. Don just told me that he has found School the Movie and put it on his YouTube channel already. So here we go. We're there. Oh, the, uh, I don't know if uh, the problem is certain mores were, were different. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, no, I'm I'm not even kidding. Like, I'm I'm worried that there are things in there that could be construed as oh. as racist or sexist yeah. or yeah. a different uh, time, a different filter. But that's not necessarily yeah. understood through today's filter. Um, the, yeah, the, 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 no, the, the I, neck breaks change that we have seen in our life, John, is just unbelievable of what was not just acceptable, but like almost encouraged versus heinous now. Uh, uh, just what we I, have seen, we've never, there's never been a generation that's seen change the way that we have in that regard. I would simply ask Don to maybe watch it before he links to it. Yeah, I, that was a joke. That was totally a joke. Just uh, talking oh, about Don Giller's prowess. I don't think it's out there. <laughs> oh, oh, see, I, was, I wasn't into, I thought you were serious because I think, oh, I think way back in the day, <laughs> I, I believed it because I have a YouTube account and I think oh. either I or my friend who made it, I think we put it on just to share with the other because like back in the earliest days of YouTube, just because it was that a way is, of video share. That so is hilarious. I think I don't think it's possible to find through a search now that I think about it. Okay. But, okay. Um, I totally waylaid anyway. your story for a for a little one off oh, joke that's, about that's about, okay. about the, the prowess of Don. Um but but it's, I it's, believed it. <laughs> to go back to your point, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh to go back to your point though, um I, I'm super curious about the hindsight. Once you get in there and you realize, mm -hmm. I find it fascinating that in the first semester for freshmen, um, mm -hmm. and there's been other stories about freshmen getting onto the lampoon. Conan being, a, 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 of course, a, sure. a notable the, the the notable exception to the rule. Um, was it the fact that you know you and you talk about the joy of actually spending time on something this creative, and and as opposed to just you know using mm -hmm. off, your off the cuff talent. Uh, the, the surface right. talent. Uh, right. Is there anything that was intentional about, okay, we're not bringing any freshmen on because we're going to see which ones a uh, want in truly where it's not just a lark and be the ones who are going to take the second chance more seriously. Uh, was it that 
meticulously I don't thought think out. So no, okay. No, I think it was pretty uh, meritocratic. I, you know, I think I did not deserve to get on for the effort that I put in uh, fall semester. I just. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, well, all I have to do is show them that I can cartoon and they'll say, come on in. And, um, excuse me, I, uh, excuse me, yeah, sorry yeah, about no that. Problem. No, I, no, no, um, no. I just, yeah, like I'm trying to say, like I, I had just, part of it was the cartooning for me was excruciating, the doing of it. Um, I'm not a good craftsman as a, as an artist. And mm-hmm. so, it was a very belabored process that I did not enjoy. And so, you know, I could, and I'm not even saying I'm good at it. I, like I had, a, I evolved a certain style that was kind of uh, rudimentary, but like appealing in a certain way. Sure. But it was, it was like pulling teeth to do it. And, um, and so part of it was just the stamina of telling myself, you know, I'm going to carve out several days of hours a day and I'm going to, freaking do it and um use up bottles of white out and just make it happen and and that's what I did and once I had chosen to do that like I think that was uh for me that was a big moment of kind of for the first time developing a work a work ethic for creative work not just for I'm going to memorize yeah. you know all these you know uh, chemistry facts and stuff. Um, yep. Well, so, and it's, a, yeah. it's an incredible life lesson. Uh, you know, in hindsight, looking back at that, it's like, okay, uh, those, those things that we have been, um, whether it's enticed or forced to actually dig into, those are the things that actually build character that can actually take mm-hmm. you to the levels way above that. But as an 18 year old kid or a 17 year old kid, however old you were, you know, you, you, you only learn those types of lessons through experiences like what you're talking about. Yeah, it was a learning experience. Uh, and yeah, I feel like it was kind of the beginning of my career in a way. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I have the Lampoon to thank for kind of pushing me in that way. And then, you know, once I got in there that spring um, and found myself uh, surrounded by people who would go on to, uh, you know, gigantic careers and you know, and also just hearing legends of people who had already gone and done that. Um, it became the center of my college experience and uh, uh, just, you know, a fantastic way to spend a few years with uh, just some of the funniest, smartest, best, uh, you know, people that I, that I've ever gotten to meet. Um, it was it was uh, <laughs> I'm making it sound like my life has just been one party and parade after another but the fact is that those lampoon years um which were followed pretty quickly by my earliest years uh at letterman um you know although there was a period in between when when i was uh i was trying to get that letterman job and i was doing other things but uh yeah that was just a great span of years um and i should mention that uh one of the people i the first people I met who was on the Lampoon uh, was Paul Sims because he was, he kind of ran the process of the thing that happens to you when you get on the Lampoon. And, um, you know, and immediately I was like, who is this guy? Like, how does somebody 
this uh, just effortlessly funny and charming and, you know, cool. And, but, you know, he was like three years older than me. And it was just like, oh, my God, like, I've never met anybody like this before, you know. And I'm I just, just going to jump in. I'm going to jump in real quick yeah. for our listeners and viewers. Uh, okay, so Letterman writer, of course, but then also yeah. um, uh, Larry Sanders show news radio yep. and a plethora of yep. other amazing in my opinion culturally significant projects that's a guy that i very very badly want to pick the brain of at one point and suddenly this is this yeah. is but he wasn't that then but he was the guy at he, the lampoon two years your senior and was still right. that guy so sorry yeah, I, I just want to i just want to throw that in there for folks who might not necessarily correct. know who who paul is yeah, I was a freshman. He was a senior um, yeah. and, you know, one of the officers of the Lampoon and, uh, and you know, one of the funniest writers there, certainly. And, uh, you know, so I, you know, when you're a kid, three years is, is, is huge, you know what yeah. I mean? And so, um, and then, yeah, he he very quickly uh, found his way to Letterman. Um, and when I, uh, when I came to New York, he very generously invited me to come visit him um, at the show a couple times. So I remember sitting in the edit room and watching him edit a remote. Um, and, you know, but the, he did a couple huge favors for me. One was, uh, so I guess the, the summer after my senior year at college, I decided to try to write a spec script, uh, which is a sample piece of writing that you write, you know, generally in those days, it was usually of an existing show and you write it in the hope that somebody will read it and hire you to write for their show, whatever it may be. Gary Shandling did it for Sanford and Son back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and I wrote an episode of Get a Life, which was not a popular show, but it was my favorite show by far. It was uh, Chris Elliott and Adam Resnick's sitcom that was really, you know, it was both a sitcom and kind of a parody of every sitcom convention that had ever existed. And mm -hmm. And at the time, I thought it was probably the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Um, Adam, uh, you know, I didn't know who Adam was at the time, but I knew that whoever was doing this show with Chris, who was maybe my favorite thing about late night, you know, yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I was just blown away by what these guys were doing. And Paul, uh, got my script to Adam Resnick. And um, I remember being in the, you know, super disgusting uh, summer rental apartment I was sharing with um, some of my Lampoon friends and, and <clears throat> excuse me, getting a call from Adam Resnick uh, telling me that he couldn't hire me because he thought his show was about to be canceled, which <laughs> in fact it was. But that he, you know, he, he, he liked my script and, um, and I can't begin to tell you what, uh, how big a deal that was for me. Um, 
he is to this day one of my biggest heroes as a writer. Um, Adam is. Uh, um, his pretty recent uh, memoir, kind of a book of stories, uh, you know, true memoir stories that he wrote a couple years ago is one of the funniest books I've ever read. He's brilliant. Um, and uh, yeah, in fact, just to jump ahead a few years, um, mm -hmm. when I was a young writer at Letterman, and he was doing a project, uh, he uh, incredibly invited me to write for it. And I wasn't able to do it at the time because I was, I was kind of just getting started at Letterman. But, um, but I always, part of me always wishes uh, I had been able to go and do that because that guy, you know, I, I just can't praise highly enough. Um, and uh, yeah, anyway, so, so Paul did that for me, yep. which did turn into a job. But then um, he managed to get my Letterman packet uh, seen by the right people. Uh, That's I, Steve, I probably, was, right? To Steve. Yeah, Steve and yeah. Morty, and yeah. and he he was either gone or just about gone from Letterman at that time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he was but, part of one of the big exoduses that happened. Right? He was. Uh, there was a couple of times early on. Someone to the um, was that the Simpsons one? Would that would be the one where folks left for the Sim Paul, around that time? I think not. I think that okay. was before Paul left. Okay. Um, yeah, because I think I think those guys um, went to the Simpsons before, possibly before Paul even got on staff. I'm not. Okay. I don't want to say for sure. Don would know. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. Um, so, you know, it just goes to show you, like when people talk about the Lampoon Mafia or the pipeline or whatever, I mean, yep. the fact is you meet people who you would not otherwise meet, who are super funny, smart and talented and into comedy and end up doing these jobs. And, you know, if I had not had that experience on the Lampoon, I would not be in uh, television or comedy or show business today because I it simply wouldn't have struck me as a thing that was worth pursuing. Um, it would have seemed like something that, you know, you don't get to do just by trying. Uh, and I, I think I would have gone into academia or, um, uh, you know, something like that. Um, so there you go. That's, so, that's what Harvard did for me, which was a lot. I got to say it was everything. Oh, absolutely. The trajectory was, uh, you know, very clear that this is the the event that allowed you to enjoy your college years and also put you on the tra trajectory of what your future was going to be. Um, yeah. Forgive my ignorance, both on 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 the timeline of of, of Paul Levin, but more so uh, for this next question: Has there been a documentary done on the Lampoon and its alumni? And 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 if so, I haven't seen it, and I would love to see it. If not. Uh, that thing needs to be made as far as I'm concerned. Um, there's so much rich history in the world of entertainment today that is still mm -hmm. shining on uh, because of all of the generations. I've watched, I don't know if you, you got a chance to watch the uh, the five-part comedy store uh, documentary that was made a couple of years ago. Um, it did actually, yeah. Ab absolutely incredible. To me, um, you know, we're, we're living in this world of archiving and, 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 and reminiscing and throwback and, and, and culture shifting events and all of that. 
to me, a five part uh, or a three part or, or something, a long form doc on the the Lampoon itself and then the people who came out of it and where they are now and and, and all of that, the culture that was made mm -hmm. in comedy and entertainment. That's a project that would be fascinating to me anyway. Yeah, it would probably be pretty interesting. I, uh, you know, I know there have been news, you know, magazine type packages <laughs> done over the years, but I don't know that there's ever been kind of the modern day attempt to uh, do the documentary approach to it. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, there, the number of people that have come out of it and have uh, achieved, you know, great stuff is, is very large. You mentioned Paul, uh, before we go into <clears throat> your first couple of years of Letterman, um, I, I brought up the shopping cart story because of exactly, exactly <laughs> why, uh, what it was, you were, you know, the kid in a room and you got to be a kid for mm -hmm. a while at Letterman. And that's that, that yeah. I, I adore that you got that experience. Um, and we all know that the ups and downs of life are there. You were a head writer at Letterman. There were downs. I, I get it. Like the pressure of the job <laughs> alone, never mind the quirkiness of the production itself, the uniqueness of what yeah. you guys were doing, the vacuum that you guys were in. I get all of that. Um, so so I, I, I can't wait to get to your first couple years of writing at Letterman where you got to be that kid for a while. Uh, that, that's mm -hmm. great. But I can't leave the lampoon without asking about some of the names that you, other names other than Paul that you were there with that resonate today, whether or not they're famous or not. Yeah, sure. I mean, like was Conan there when you were there? No, Conan was uh, gone by the time I he, got there, okay. but his, uh, you know, his, his name was a name you heard a lot. Um, I bet. Yeah. He was a legend and I remember him coming in once or twice while I was there and it was, and, you know, he wasn't famous yet at that point, but it, he was famous there. <laughs> you yeah. know, it was, he was a celebrity there. Um, so, no, I did not overlap with him. I did overlap with Bill Oakley, yep. who, uh, you know, people will know that name. He uh, went on to run uh, with his partner, Josh Weinstein, some of the best years of The Simpsons, you know, among other amazing things he's done. Um, David X. Cohen, who uh, wow. created Futurama, Futurama yeah. yeah, with Matt Groening, was there. These guys were both seniors when I was a freshman. Um, Jeff Schaefer, uh, you know, from Seinfeld at Curb and the League and the million other things he's done. Um, Alec Berg from Barry. Uh, I'm going to forget people, and I don't mean... No, not offense. at all. Uh, no. But, no. you know, We're but yeah, like my class and the classes ahead of me had phenomenal people. Um, Brian Rich, uh, uh, who I was, I became very good friends with, um, went on to become uh, a legendary Conan writer. Um, he actually, he worked at Letterman, uh, early, <clears throat> excuse me, early in my run at Letterman. Um he got hired there too. And so I got to work at Letterman with him for a brief period of time. It turned out he was much better suited for Conan and they yeah. snapped him up. Yeah. Um, and uh, people should, people should Google, Google Brian Rich. Uh, if they don't know the story of how he, when he decided to leave Conan um, to go uh, 
I think work on just shoot me or, you know, to pursue sitcom writing in LA, he, as a prank decided to uh, compete for the slot that he had opened up on the writing staff under a fake name. He decided to see if he could get his old job and <laughs> I'll leave it there, but talk about commitment to the bit and, uh, following through on a funny idea. It's one of the funniest things you'll see. Um, so uh, I think on the Conan podcast, I think they did essentially an episode about it. Um, but uh, Brian, unfortunately, very sadly uh, passed away last year. Um, so you won't be able to ask him about that. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but We're yeah, keeping he... him alive right now, my friend. We're keeping him alive yeah. right now by by sharing this uh, a very 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 amusing story by the way don just sent me this i'll put the picture up for everybody to see it but that's at uh, paul's going away party there uh, oh wow in 92 and uh um, oh cool so uh yeah um so that's obviously uh paul and joe at the farewell party back in 92 there um He's also giving me Adam Resnick. So, so over top of uh, what we're talking here, I'm going to throw these pictures yeah. on for the viewers to see. And Adam's book is on there as well. Don's been uh, throwing oh, stuff at me here this whole time. Um, I, yeah, I, I'd love I, for that, more people to find that book. Yeah. Well, you know what? And um, we'll do an entire episode on it if we can. If we can make that. If we can make that happen. That's something that we like. One thing I want to do is I want to. Uh, I was just going back and forth with 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 Steve Young last night, partially uh, mm -hmm. to prepare for this. But also because we're just kind of friends now, and and uh, yeah, uh, you know, with some of the music that he has coming out, he's got this just trajectory where he's gone down this path where the beast must be fed, and it's these songs that just keep <laughs> coming out of him. I can't wait to help promote that stuff, and that's what I want. Oh yeah, you know, part of this show isn't just. Uh, you know, it's all, of course, the celebration of the greatest body of broadcast work in history, that of David Letterman and company, the company, and what they're doing now is mm -hmm. something that I very, very much want to be a part of, uh, for lack of a better term, a promotion vehicle for. I want to I be able to, to throw this stuff out there because the sensibility has a through line and so many of us resonate with so many different, different things. Everybody who loved Letterman is going to love Adam's book. I know that already, even though I have not read it yet. Um, yeah, and, for sure. And, and, and so, you know, I want to talk to you about projects that you're doing as well and that kind of thing, but let's get to this place yeah. where, okay, you get on, um a 13 week cycle is that is that are you you hired yeah. on as a writer you're not you didn't come in as an intern you came in as a writer that's correct i yeah. yes i sent in a package a packet whatever uh you know a writing sample um which i can probably dig up somewhere yes. it's, oh, I... it, you know and <laughs> my i'm you know it must have had something going for it um top 10 list of course yeah um, my big memory is that, uh, that, so, you know, Steve was the head writer, Steve O'Donnell, who hired me. And I remember after I got the job being in his office for some reason and seeing my packet, just like on a stack of paper or something, you know, and there was a note, like a sticky note on it that said, um, indications of a lively visual mind. <laughs> um, and I, uh, yeah, I've never forget that phrase because it was like, there is one of my heroes. Um, 
writing something positive about my work. <laughs> and in uh, only the way that Steve O'Donnell communicates. That is a perfect yeah. Steve O'Donnell phrase right there. I know, right? It's uh <laughs> yes. I mean, he's um, you know, verbally so uh, you know, incredibly gifted and uh has such a way of expressing himself and and there it is. And uh um yeah, so I you know, I, I think it was just one of those things where I was in the right place at the right time and yep. had made a connection through Paul and a slot opened up and, and there I was, um, I, you know, I pretty much got the call to come in for an interview, which typically I think was just, they had already kind of decided to hire you, but they just wanted to get a look at you and make sure that you weren't, uh, really annoying or obnoxious or there's an energetic or, chemistry that yeah. needs to be confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I met Steve that day, he offered me the job um, and then walked me out to uh, the kind of vestibule by the elevator. And I was, um, <laughs> I was wearing what I thought was like a nice dress up outfit, which I think was sort of a very, wrinkly kind of linen or oxford like button blue button down shirt and dave happened to pop out of the elevator oh god and steve introduced me to him this is my first time <laughs> laying eyes on him and steve introduced me to him and his only words were uh you know have had that shirt pressed <laughs> and uh and then he just kept moving and i was like oh my god like this is crazy that this is happening to me. And uh, yeah, and then there I was. And I started showing up every day at 30 Rock because this was still at late night, not late yep. show. Um, yep. uh, and um, uh, it was, you know, it was thrilling, but it was, it was very intimidating and scary for me. Um, uh, especially because a lot of work is done in the room um, or was at the time. Uh, and I simply didn't have the, the confidence to open my mouth. You know, yeah. I was, um, and that's never been my, you know, my something I, I love. Like I don't, I don't love being in a big room full of people and, having to be funny, I find it very difficult to kind of get into the headspace that you need to be in to like yeah. generate a lot of ideas. I think it, I grew in that ability as time went on, but to be the new guy, to have people who are very comfortable sitting around that table. Um, and you're 21 you know, at this point, right? I, I think I was closer to, um, 23 maybe okay so um, early 20s you're, you're yeah yeah you're 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 yeah. still you're not an, a fully formed adult by any stretch of the imagination not, working with fully no, formed no adults way. yeah and you know and at that point somebody who was 26 seemed old exactly and somebody who was 30 uh mid 30s as i think steve o'donnell would have been seemed like and you know a complete grown-up like yeah. um you know, and a distinguished and so, one at that. Very, yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and so I remember 
just being scared of everybody. I, certain people went out of their way to be friendly to me. One of them was Bill Sheft, mm -hmm. uh, who I'll always be grateful to for just being friendly, you know? Um, one of them was Jill Davis, uh, who, you know, there were, I think there was a little bit of, um, yeah, I don't know. It's that thing of people who are sizing each other up, and, you know, or, you know what I mean? There, there was definitely that aspect to it. Um, yep. You got to uh, earn some respect. You got to get some chops and earn some respect. And then, and then your friends, uh, you know, pushing each other around in shopping carts, but it, yeah. you gotta, you Zoe gotta get Friedman, that. Zoe Friedman, oh. I should add is I always, I always, I, you know, our kids ended up going to the same school in LA. And so I would see her frequently and I always happy to see her because uh, uh, <laughs> a funny thing that happened at the end of my first week at the show. Yeah. Um, we, I don't know what this was for, um, but we were invited to Gracie mansion, <laughs> the, the mayor's residence in New York city. And so literally at the end of my first week, I was, you know, ushered into the back of a limousine <laughs> to go to an event at Gracie Mansion. <laughs> is Co Koch is the mayor at that and point? It was Dinkins. Oh, it was Dinkins uh, at that point? Okay, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I remember, I didn't know anybody, you know, and, and I remember Zoe was in the back of the limo with me and, and some other people. And yeah, she was just really nice. <laughs> so I've always been, uh, thought warmly of her for that um but yeah it was uh it was very 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 intimidating and i i think i was i had certain um misunderstandings of what i'd been hired to do mm -hmm. uh one such misunderstanding was that from watching the show and from loving when things didn't work on the show absolutely loving it absolutely probably loving it the best of any aspect of the show yes i had formulated <laughs> the notion that you were supposed to create stuff that would probably not play in front of a studio audience um that was random or weird or rarefied and so that's that was the target i was shooting at i was that's so interesting I was writing like non, I was writing anti-humor in a sense, you know, not even like meta humor or how yeah. you would define that, but like anti-humor. I was writing things that, and a little of it came, I think, from my lampoon background where I think, I think that was encouraged. That was part of it was yeah. uh, just, you know, a weird turn of phrase that didn't, uh, wasn't a joke per se, you know, yeah. and so yeah, I was just writing these things that didn't work. And I think, the, you know, I don't think I was a shoe in to be picked up for another um, cycle. And a couple of weeks into my, uh, my, after I was hired, um, Rob Burnett replaced Steve as head writer. And I believe at some point, he kind of talked to me. He was like, you know, like this was good. This was good. But, you know, like I'm sort of hoping you'll kind of turn the corner and start generating more stuff that like we can use. And that, you know, Dave, 
Dave goes up in front of this audience of regular humans every night and he wants this stuff to play and kill. And I was kind of like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds crazy, but I swear to you, that was a moment for me. And I'm not going to say that from there on, everything I wrote was, was gold, but like, I started attacking it a different way and, you yeah. know, imagining is an audience going to laugh at this? Yeah. And I think became more productive, um, you know, and more relaxed in the room. And I found certain things that I was suited for. Um, like I, I think the top 10 is probably, was probably my favorite part of the show to actually work on, which might you know, be surprising, but like, I loved it. And I think it was something that I, I got to feel like I was good at. Um, and I, I remember maybe the first joke, not that I got on, cause I'm sure I got on kind of a more hacky kind of thing, but I, I remember, um, I maybe Don could track down cause I can never remember what the topic was. Um, and I haven't been able to find it by Googling, but I, I believe uh, it was about President uh, George H.W. Bush. And maybe it wasn't, but it, my joke was something to the effect of him popping up and down and, and saying more explosions to more explosions as in explosions like with an, apo- the, with an apostrophe, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and maybe it was a Fourth of July. Like I don't even know what it was. All I can tell you is that, that word's in it, though. That, yeah, explosions. I feel More like explosions. Don might have some sort of a data uh, a spreadsheet or something. But anyway, <laughs> okay, okay we'll, so we'll find out. Anyway, yeah. It, and my point is not this was some great joke, and I obviously can't even remember what it was. But at that turn of phrase, I think I had hit the bullseye for yeah. the first time, where it was like, uh, Dave chuckled at this, and I remember. Yeah. I remember his assistant, Lori Diamond, like in the hallway right outside the the uh, studio, like laughing at it and being like, oh, that was great. That was great. And like, yeah. And th- then it was like, okay, I think I'm, in, I I'm part of it. Way in. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, I started becoming more useful to the show. Uh, and well, you just saying um, that word now, yeah. like, like seriously, John, you just saying that word right now um kind of ignited the letterman receptors like that is i, I think about it and, and, and it's, it's maybe it's in one of the books there or not but but it's it's um that word there you can see it on the screen you can hear dave with his cadence uh yeah. saying it and and you could just it just that is a perfect yes there it is right there um uh, let's yeah. go back is that that's not the first thing you got on do you remember the first thing you got on i really wish i did i think okay. it was yeah. um it was it, it uh, I'm 99% sure it was a boring top 10, like yeah. the kind of top 10 that, you know, it's number eight and yep. it's serviceable. <laughs> most I common answer from a writer, by the way, to that question is exactly that. Uh, yeah. the most, that's the, by far the most common answer. Um, um, the other thing too is, is, uh, one of the things that I appreciate about you, uh, and by the way, now, uh, man, I, I will say it in the intro when I shoot the intro, obviously, but, uh, I've got to reiterate 
um, you know, through 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 the the magic of, of video production and time travel, I suppose. I'm going to reiterate the the staff favorite moments you did uh, with Walter was incredible because I love the way oh, that you thanks. took it. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a relationship connection guy, um, and so the fact that you came from it from a um, I'm going to talk about the relationships that I I had built the friendships, yeah. and then and then it went from there. It was so touching. I love what you say Aww. about Rob. Um, uh, and, and, and cause I mean, you're not just a friend and a partner and all that, but a mentor. And it sounds oh, yeah. to me like you just, uh, gave us the genesis of the mentorship. He takes over as head mm -hmm. writer and, 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 and like, um, Steve saw in you, uh, he saw something, uh, had mm -hmm. been around longer, knew what you just said, new explosions already. He knew that already, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, had that, had that, uh, culture down. Um, but and then kind of gave you that little, you know, when you when you when you when you move a cruise ship, you're you're not you're not moving the whole dial. You're just giving it a little adjustment. And he gave you that little adjustment. That mentorship began that day. It sounds like. Um, I think that's safe to say and accurate. Yeah. And yeah, um, I mean, he was a guy I was, you know, kind of scared of uh, in my early days there. Uh, you know, sitting around that table, but. Once, I think once I had, once I had demonstrated that I wasn't, you know, going to be somebody who wasn't worth getting know, getting to know because I was going to be gone in a few weeks, um, <laughs> it, the, the room kind of warmed up to me and, um, yeah, and he was, he was about seven years, six or seven years older than me. So I, I definitely saw him as a, a grown up and you know, and he'd gotten the head writer job for God's sake. Um, but he, he invested heavily in me, in Donick and in other, you know, younger writers to, um, to help us figure it out. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was often part of like, kind of a little core group that, that he'd gather to try to really crack something, solve a problem, you know, uh, and I learned a ton. I, I mean, I could probably write a short book just on how much I learned from him, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, he, he, yeah, he was, I hate this phrase, but he was able to kind of see the matrix in a way that, you know, yeah. that I, I, I love that phrase at yeah, all it, at that point. Yep. Um, and helped me understand just how comedy worked a little bit because I, you know, I, I thought of myself as funny in, in certain ways, but I had no craft and I had, I just, I didn't know how to do like a setup and a punchline and how to frame something. Um, you know, like he, he did a piece much later that I think was just watching water boil um and it was like today you know on the show we're gonna watch water boil and it was literally that and they they turned on a you know a flame under under a, a clear you know pot of water but the point of it was how it was framed as if it was a spectacle yes with a a build-up yes and an escalation and a payoff yep and like that you know, I doubt that's the piece he's proudest of, but it was like kind of this pure thing of like, 
here is how comedy and entertainment works is yeah. it's framing, you know, and like there's aspects of that, that, uh, you know, 30 years later in running a writer's room on a, on a sitcom I am using, mm -hmm. um, you know, so yeah, he, I, I tried to talk a little bit about it with Walter and Gaines on the Letterman favorite moments, but that, that Steve Martin, David, you know, the, oh. the making of Steve's appearance yeah. that I think appeared on some uh, anniversary shows and the like, yep. um, that was just such a great example. And I, I, you know, Rob is also a great joke writer and just a funny guy. I'm not diminishing that in any way, but he had a real genius for how to put something together and how to realize what it really wanted to be. And yeah, that was the thing where, Daniel Kellison, mm -hmm. uh, who I know you've spoken to, um, Absolutely. who, uh, you know, is a good friend. He, um, he was, uh, he was, uh, in the talent department <clears throat> segment producer and Steve was his guest and, um, and he, or he and Steve or just Steve, I don't know who had an idea of shooting some, uh, clips of like, uh, you know, the, re the rehearsal for his appearance, which was a funny idea. It was like, you know, Steve didn't know how to pick up the cup of water, really, yeah. like pick up the mug and he kept missing. And, you know, it was all like, or what laugh should little... I use for a joke? Like, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we had shot these bits and, and I remember bringing them to Rob or maybe Rob and Dave and it being like, but what, how do you roll into, like, what do we, do with these like because they didn't have like beginnings middle as an ends and whatever and it was rob's idea to be like oh you know what we should do is we should shoot uh dave and steve talking to camera like they're in a documentary and we can voice over and assemble these things into a piece and you know i don't i guess there's a reason that example keeps occurring to me just because like I felt like my brain broke open kind of in, <laughs> in things like that, where, you know, where it was like, it was, it again, another cliche. And I feel like Mal Malcolm Gladwell or something, but like, you know, out of the box thinking yeah. where instead of just trying to solve the puzzle you're working on, you take a step back from it and, you know, reconceive a whole other thing around it yeah. um, was something that he was, Rob was extraordinarily good at. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there was, he was a hugely important mentor to me. Um, and, you know, during that time, uh, I just, I mean, I talked about it on, on uh, the Letterman channel, but I had colleagues that, that I learned a lot from as well and just, you know, became extremely close with, even if uh, only temporarily so in some cases, but in others, I think for life. You, you, you mentioned Malcolm Gladwell uh, also uh, might even be in the same, in the same publication talking about the 10,000 hours. And, 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 and to me, yeah. you know, you, that's, that's, you've just described two examples of your, of you putting in your 10,000 hours. Um, and mm -hmm. both of them had very similar 
connotations, teaching you actually how to, it's again, you know, and again, that's the Leno Letterman comparison, right? You know, the, the, the Leno is a, a joke maker and a joke teller. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, but this program and one of the reasons why I think it resonates and has, you know, the status that it does with all of us uh, or with all of our personality types who love it so much is, is, is the water boiling example where you're actually using the device of what late night is. You are taking advantage right. of, okay, we're watching water boil, but there's some X factors that we're throwing in. We're setting the volleyball for Hal Gurney, uh, who's bumping it back right. to somebody else and who's setting it again for Letterman now to react to this stuff. So there's the, right. you know, the, you know, Gurney with, with, with his expert direction, you know, the, the, the technical crew who were all kind of in on things as well, how it's going to be shot. Um, and then of course, relying on um you know perhaps the you know the great i call him the greatest broadcaster ever because he also had the razor sharp wit as well as the ability to communicate at the same time and then this this writing that sets that volleyball you're all just doing stuff together and it's a perfectly well-oiled machine by that point you know it seems like rob had that down which again the sensibility of the show that's why the head writer becomes the head writer (laughs) Um, yeah. the sensibility of the show is so important. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many writers, uh, or people I've talked to behind the scenes who maybe, you know, didn't get renewed, haven't come on the show yet, whatever, um, because they were funny, hilarious, but the sensibility oh, yeah. of the show was such an important element. Um, you saw Rob right when he became head writer, you mm-hmm. head writer yourself. Um, did you notice a change in him? Cause you saw him go from writer to head writer. Um, did the stress of that particular job and Rob obviously extremely successful, uh, if only by looking at the numbers, how long he did it for, how he moved into the uh, executive positions at Worldwide Pants and all that, very successful of integrating himself into that world. Did mm-hmm. you notice him leveling up as you were getting your 10,000 hours in and leveling up, learning these things? Did you notice him changing as well at that time? I don't know if I could have perceived it as him changing because I, you know, he seemed fully formed to me when I met him and started working under him. Yep. Um, But I think, you know, if there was a leveling up, it happened during the period of time when, uh, when Dave had signed on to do the CBS late show, but we hadn't, yet started to do it. So we had this period of time of months where all there was to do was put stuff in the bank for um, for Late Show. And yep. it was why the Late Show started so strong. It was because we had oh, yeah. all these remotes and all these ideas. And, yep. um, and I think, you know, Rob was, uh, I think a crucial kind of partner to Dave in making that transition as successful as it was. And yep. I, I like to think that I was kind of a crucial partner to Rob in getting all that stuff done because I, you know, and not to take away from the other writers who were as well, but like, no, but yeah, I, I, um, good for you for being able to own that, by the way, I, I that's, that, that might <laughs> well, be, the, that might be the least self-deprecating thing that any writer, <laughs> it's the closest thing to, to, to recognizing your own massive achievement, which we all recognize, oh. but boy, oh boy, is it hard to get you guys to, to, but, but that was, funny. it was the biggest part of entertainment ever. 
at that point, Time Magazine, everybody talking about Letterman moving yeah. over, and you guys hit an absolute grand slam home run with the first did, 18 uh, months of that show. And 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 it was absolutely yeah. Yes. So, so, so for the fact that that is what it was in entertainment and you're able to say, well, you know what? And I'm actually kind of proud about my contribution. Yes, it was massive, John. (laughs) Well, you know, what's funny, maybe part of it is that, uh, and I know this is true of other writers uh, of my period of the show, but like when Zinneman's book came out, of course, everyone got a hold of it and was like, you know, all right, wait, you know, am I in the book? Like what, what's going on here? And, you know, if you were mostly uh, or entirely a CBS person, yep, you found that this job that you had had for maybe two years, maybe five years, maybe 15 years, mm-hmm. maybe 20 years was essentially not part of the story of the show and i i i am in the book um but like i kind of yeah it was like wow i'm sort of a footnote to my own entire career (laughs) and so Uh i do i do feel the urge to stick up for and you know i i have no grudge against him and he well hold on a second though like he had a monumental story to tell and chose to tell Yep. focusing on you know what is arguably the most important part of it and that's fine i don't care um, i'm not like mad about it hold on hold but... on though i gotta i gotta speak to this because <laughs> no no there there is a there uh he had a really like almost sophie's choice kind of uh a choice right. that he had to make. he talked about it on this show uh because he did not want to make the uh he had to make the choice like he has enough material for another book Mm-hmm. And 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 did not want to make the choice of putting out an 800 pound uh, or 800 page, I should say, book about right. about it. And so he had to keep it. And it's a big book anyway, but he actually had to make the choice to not. Um, and I have asked him a couple of times because he's like, I've had all this material about late. I'm like, please, <laughs> if you got any dailies, I would love to <laughs> I would love to screen the dailies of that book. So, so, so uh, it, it was a hard choice for him because yeah. the stories are so rich and, and, and Lecha was the majority of the career and it was, you know, our, you, you and my, our generation's tonight show, right. but it was the preparation that allowed that to happen. But what mm-hmm. happened was incredible. Like, again, I mean, I love, I love, uh, uh, I love late show so, so, so much. And and everyone yeah. has this. Everyone has this reverence for late night. I have it too. Don't get me wrong, but boy, oh boy, do I love uh, late show and what you guys did there. So so there is that material there. You have now given me a wonderful, wonderful clip. Oh, Don's just coming back on. Hey, buddy. Um, you've given me a wonderful excuse to go back to Zinnemann and poke him a little bit to see if if those pages <laughs> uh, could ever be. Anyway, I'm sorry about that aside, John, but but that is a very important distinction in that book. There's so much richness in how Late Show was made. Hi, Don, you're yeah. back. Uh, hi, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm butting in, but there's no way other... Uh, uh, my my laptop conked out and it took me the next 30 minutes to, to reboot. So I've missed oh, the last no. 30 minutes of the conversation. No problem. Uh, and and I'm butting in now, so I don't know if it's a good time or if I should... It just is. Here. Jump in. All right. Uh, and, and if you've already talked about this while I was gone, then too bad. Um, 
I wanted to ask you more about Ed um, and the and the writing process and the and the. It's it's a naive question from someone who's 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 never been in in that in 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 the work that you do or did or still do. Uh, the fact that you and Rob and sometimes others wrote every episode. Mm -hmm. How far in advance was the writing <laughs> process? Did, 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 I'm, did, did, I'm laughing because the answer ranged from months in advance to we were writing pages and they were running them down to the the studio. I mean, we got so behind on that show that we were like sued by the directors guild <laughs> and or fined. I don't oh, think the no. word sued. I think fined <laughs> is more accurate. Um maybe they also sued us. I don't know. But uh uh you know, I remember an episode that we were conceiving at literally as it was being shot, where we would have to be like, all right, well, we have, we sort of have this B story that we can feed them, but what's the A story going to be? It, I mean, it was insanity. Um, uh, you know, I always think of those shows more, this does not apply to late night comedy writing, which is more day by day, but like, uh, you know, primetime 22 episode seasons of TV is like you're being chased by a monster who's faster than you. So like, give it enough time, the monster will catch you. You know what I mean? And, and you're kind of, you're throwing pages behind you as you run for the monster to gobble. But like, you can't outrun the monster, you know? So like it, that's why I say it's the hardest thing that I've done. Um, you know, I just finished doing uh, the first season of a show for Amazon that we can talk about later, but like that was so much easier because it, it, it was not being shot while it was being written. So I never felt like I was being chased by the monster, but mm -hmm. on Ed, it was, um, you know, it's people who can do that on a network season after season. Like, even if the show is not what you'd think of as your sort of thing or is not, you know, the critics don't love it. Or even if nobody watches it, they've achieved something remarkable, in my opinion, yes. because it's uh, it's crazy what a job that is. Um, I guess what <clears throat> what I was did you have are uh, uh, you talking about the the immediacy of, of of fixing or or figuring out a part of an a story or a b story um did you have the general plot outlined before the season began or were you were you did you come across cul-de-sacs and and you mm -hmm. figured the only way out is to is to, is to do a dallas you know, I mean, how it, it's both. It's both. And anybody who works in that form who claims otherwise is not being honest with you. Um, mm -hmm. You you try to chart your path as much as you can. And we would do that. We'd be like, all right, I think 
and we'll look at this six, six episode chunk as where a certain arc happens between this and that character. We know where it's going to start. We know where it's going to end. And you'd often be able to stick to that, but sometimes you'd run out of material too quickly and you'd be like, we can't stretch it that long or other times, you know, like uh, a guest, I don't know that this happened to us particularly, but like a guest person you cast as a guest, you'll not love, you know, or like you'll Mm -hmm. find that you're just not getting great feedback. And so it's, and you had them committed for several episodes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 Um, or to the contrary, the viewers love this person and now something that you thought you were going to be done with, you bring back, you know, there, there's all, there's all kinds of ways that, um, that you can be thrown off track. Um, uh, so you have to be able to think on the fly and, change your mind about stuff you know um i think it's to the detriment of shows when they make a plan and then they don't acknowledge the reality on the ground you know of what actually happened while they were making their their series you know uh so yeah it's that's man that's a tough job um can i ask you you a quick quick question about that with ed pertaining to ed so, uh, yeah. uh, um, uh, you know, Kelly Ripa shows up and has a beautiful <laughs> chemistry with Tom Cavanaugh. And right. she wasn't Kelly Ripa, Kelly Ripa back then. It was just. She it, sort it, of was, though. She, right? she like, was. Well, I, I'm just saying compared to who people know who she is now uh, right. at, at that point, it was very formative still at that point, uh, you know, um, compared yeah. to compared to now. Um, mm-hmm. There's a there's an obvious chemistry. There's an obvious, uh, you know, charisma there. Do you guys then go, okay, you know what? We've got something cool here. We're going to, you know, that's a, that's now a device that we have and it's going to alter things that we might have written months and months and months ago. And that will create, uh, you know, chain reactions throughout. Poss- possibly. I wish, I wish I could remember more specifically, but like. I'm just using that as an yeah, example though. I mean, yeah. but yeah, yes. And like. Yeah, and you've got, you know, the network calling and saying, oh, you know, the the president of the network is loving this character. And so then you're like, well, we kind of like our show to stay on the air, which was never <laughs> a guarantee. And so, yeah, it's like you're living in a a changing, developing situation and you have to embrace and try to amplify the things that you did well and kind of moved past the things that you know you didn't um yeah i, I was i was scanning through the shows last night looking for uh one particular image that that i couldn't find uh, and while i was looking for it I, I i may have passed by it uh i was looking for cameos with you and rob and 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 the first one was yeah. was the obvious one um yeah the final, the final yeah show. that was in the finale that's yeah. right but there's another one that I remember it was just photos on on the wall. And and the two of yeah. you, you you look junked and stoned and just out of it. And and <laughs> that's what I was looking for and I couldn't find. Uh, that feels like it was previous winners of the pie eating contest, maybe. <laughs> I feel like I feel like 
it, like the two pie club. I feel it was okay. like people who had consumed two entire pies <laughs> at like one sitting. And so I think our expressions were intentionally like the way you'd look after eating two pies. Um, I what I can't remember, this is the crazy part. Did that even air? Because It, it, it I did because I remember watching it and, and noticing it at the time. Uh, so look look at the first episode i would say now look look at the the very first one one yeah yeah because the reason i say that is because i think we we actually piloted that show twice once for cbs and then again for nbc as a half hour and an hour right like when it was called welcome both hours it was at one point it was called stuckyville and then yeah, and we um, we did a pilot for CBS that they passed on, and it, that I believe had the pie bit in it, mm-hmm. and that I think we may have. That's why I think it would be in the the first episode because we would have like done it again in the NBC version or something. Some of this is I just can't remember because it was so long ago. But like, I would I would start your search by watching that episode carefully. Yeah, I'm doing um, it as we speak. Okay, uh, um, I'm, I'm watching the the uh, the DVD uh, collection that you, that you released. <laughs> I wish I we wish. all do. Um, I cannot wait till Ed comes out because it is it's a time capsule too. Uh, uh, but yeah. I I feel like um, it will age very well and it will be very charming. Um, my wife is actually going through. It's funny. I was, I was messaging back with Rigalski back and forth a little bit because my wife she's building a a tech company right now and it's a very stressful thing and so during her downtime she will have just comfort food tv on in the background and she's going through gilmore girls right now and and yeah. it's funny when i'll walk in the room and there'll be a certain thing uh it'll be really funny to hear you know dave regalski's name because he's the character in the show sort of um they wrote him into it and 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 uh but it's it's, it's comfort food and it's charming and it's a time capsule and i'm certain ed will be in even for me anyway an even better example of that um when we all get a chance to watch it again you know let the streaming gods figure out a way don't for that hold to your happen. breath, <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> hold your breath. Not, not in not in the first episode uh but if, oh, if, it's, weird. if it's a if it's a pie eating contest that that's a good clue I, I'll, I'll look for it there also while, while i was looking for it uh i came across this and, and got a big kick out of the uh the picture Dave the there's the food well, fighters the food yeah 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 yeah, I, I I like that as as yet one one more inside joke. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. That that's, that's it's an obvious question we... I wanted to ask about that. Did that happen yeah. right away? Getting next year as your as your theme song, or as your opening? Uh... It happened because we. Uh, I hope I'm getting this right. So, you know, back at the time we were making that show. Uh, if you're, you know, you're making your pilot and you're putting in needle drops, you know, meaning, uh, uh, you know, cues of actual, uh, you know, famous or less famous music that, Mm -hmm. that is out there in the world in the hopes that it will make your show cooler. Mm -hmm. Um, and my recollection is that. You know, you I, like. I remember bringing in a a book of CDs that I just happened to own, and 
or it could have been one of Rob's CDs and we had the Foo Fighters and that song worked over the opening montage of the show. Yeah. And it had the right vibe and we used it. And then we had to get permission, you know, and I imagine that, you know, it was very helpful that we were part of the Letterman show, uh, mm-hmm. you know, which as you know, um, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters had a real affinity with. And right there, yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. That's from the last night. Yeah. And so we got to use it, but then something awful happened, which was uh we couldn't use it anymore. <laughs> so the the subsequent seasons of the show, I think we only got maybe it was a budgetary thing, like we we only got the money because it was expensive, you yeah. know, it was super expensive. Um, and yeah, when we got picked up again, it was like, you can't have the show. Like the studio told us, like, I, I guess you can't, I mean, you can't have the song. And, um, mm-hmm. and so we had to replace it. Um, but, uh, and then am I crazy to think that we brought it back? For later? some reason, I think, I, you, I think I, you did. I think, I think we, I, no, I, I have a memory yeah. of it of it being yeah. there. Yeah. No, no, no. Is I remember that- some executive, we were very upset to have to lose it. And I remember some executive kept saying to us on the phone, like, I know, I know it's your lucky glove. It's your lucky glove. Meaning like they thought it was just like a totem that we believed, you know, it was like brought us good luck. And we we're like, no, it's the theme oh. song. For and it is. Show. People and it fits love perfectly. It. Yep. It does. It's so perfect for a small town. Show. Like it was, perfect it's a nostalgic sounding song it is a yeah. perfect song for that absolutely i did i did also very much like the that, uh man. i can't hear anything i can't okay. hear anything okay oh yeah they don't want to get us pulled off youtube thank you for that don the the song by a band called clem snide that we put in afterwards was also great but it's just it's hard competing with something people already really like you know that, uh, um, you know, and I, I can't wait to get into Ed here. It's cool, Don, when you came back, it, we're right around the time now where, uh, you know, because I, where I wanted to take this episode to was to Ed, but to John working in with Worldwide Pants rather than, uh, you know, more so rather than just the day-to-day of the show. But we're at the place mm-hmm. right now where um, I got to ask you about Fun With Phil. We got to go to Fun With Phil for a second here because we're sure. at that time in my opinion, that is probably the most legendary late show early on bit that, you know, and, and of course our, our, our affinity and our love for Rupert Rupert, by the way, uh, told me to tell you hello again. He loves you so much and he's so grateful. Um, uh, you know, so we'll get, we'll get to that in a second, but Don, uh, you were off, uh, you didn't hear any of this stuff. So we've, I got an assignment for you. I thought you were in the background looking for it. There's a top 10 list back in the day uh, that that uh, that John, um, you know, this is one of the one of the, the seminal moments had the word explosions in it. He can't remember yes. things that has to do with George W. Bush, but the word explosions like with an apostrophe and that I word think, there. Yeah, I think the joke included the phrase in quotes, more explosions, more explosions. And it, yeah, it was just significant because I think it was the first time I remember getting something on the list that. You know, so people really seem to like, yeah, yeah. late night. Yeah, exactly. So I thought uh, there there might be the uh, 
the ability to see the bat computer in motion right yeah, now yeah. and how quickly you can do that. Um, in, in the meantime, let, let me just, uh, I just yeah. want to follow up. Uh, yeah. Season one had the Foo Fighters. Season two was the alternate one. And then season mm -hmm. three and season four, you were back to Foo Fighters. Okay, there it is. Oh. Yeah, there it is. Um, cool. Okay. This is important. This is for the, the legacy. The DVD yeah. set that doesn't exist. Yeah, well, Don's got them all anyway. So <laughs> it's, uh, um, uh, and I'm envious of, 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 of the stuff that he has there. Um, so you're at... You're, you're, you're now moved to the Ed Sullivan theater, you're banking stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, those, my, I have kind of three favorite moment, three, uh, time periods of Letterman that I love, uh, the dead man walk in time at, at, at late night that last year was mm -hmm. absolutely awesome. Um, mm -hmm. the first year of course of, of, of late show. And then, and then when late shift two happened in 2010, uh, with Dave, just absolutely not to use, uh, not mistakenly to use the term lampooning uh jay and in the whole situation that right. was happening i just that period was incredible as well right. uh let's go back to you're a big part of and we haven't even got um yeah we have to have you back because we haven't even gotten to the first extra that uh that, that you were a part of and never mind the legendary one with bill murray and 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 all of these performing things actually i need to ask mm -hmm. that how long into your run was your first on camera um experience i think it was fairly early and i feel like it was probably uh a staff stories piece i don't know if this was the very first time i appeared on camera but i was in a staff stories piece uh at nbc where we went to uh an italian restaurant we sat around the table and everyone told a story i got <clears throat> i got picked to do this um my story was such a non-story. I don't know why I got picked, but it, I mean, I guess it was kind of funny. It was about a time in college where I went to Pizzeria Uno and I ordered a medium pizza. I was with a friend, ordered a medium pizza and they brought us a large, but we didn't know that. We just ate it. And then they brought the bill and it was for a large. And I decided to stick to my guns and be like, I, ordered a medium and they were like, but you ate a large. And I was like, but I didn't ask for that. So it's not fair. Like, I don't have yeah. any money. You can't make me pay <laughs> three extra dollars. I do not have it, you know? And I mean, the thing that made it a story was they called the police. So they got two Cambridge cops to come in off the street. And, you know, the guy's like, you know, so what's your story? And I <laughs> told him, and then they, they looked at the people and were like, too bad. Like, you know, like you can't charge them for that. Just let it go. And so I won and I was so happy. And then, uh, the, the, the payoff of the story was as I very smugly got up to leave, uh, the, the server shouted to my back as I was going out the door next time, know the difference between a medium and a large. It's like, what a random thing to yell at someone! Like, okay, I will take that under advisement. Um, was was, was you know, did did this enact re was there a reenactment with the uh, yes Tony, uh, Tony Randall. Randall? Yes, uh, so, August fourteenth, nineteen ninety two. There we go. Well, there you go. Because at that point, I had only been at the show, um, for you know 
June and July and part of August, I think. So you um, started after the Carson announcement. Uh, I, I suppose you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, uh, from what I've heard after the Carson announcement, there was a different energy around that place. Like, like the vibration had, had, had changed, mm -hmm. got more intensified. Um, but you were so yeah, nobody knew what was going to happen. It was, yeah. uh, you know, and I certainly didn't know anything about what was going to happen. Um, but You're I was just hoping just to get another 13 weeks. There. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I got that job, I think I've said this before, but, um, and this is not in fact true, but just to reflect how I thought of getting that job. I thought the show was by far the funniest thing on TV. Yeah. Um, even though there were other funny things, I thought it was the funniest thing. And I knew there were about a dozen writers. And so I thought that by getting that job, it meant that somehow I was one of the dozen top comedy writers in show business. <laughs> I, that's what I thought. Oh, that's such a beautiful childlike perspective i know like that's that's because yeah i didn't understand the the concept of kind of junior you know entry-level writers and the fact that a lot of people who go into comedy writing their first job is on a late night talk show and i didn't get any of that i just thought based on quality and how funny it is this is the funniest and i got this job this is crazy <laughs> like that's that's how i i thought about it um did you know joe I grossman very well uh no i okay he was out I, of your I time. sort of essentially yeah yes okay um the reason i bring him up is is uh you know and you mentioned this actually in the staff favorite moments thing but but um uh you know back back when i wanted you on the show originally uh i wanted to ask you about the bill murray segment uh watch uh please go watch uh john's staff favorite moments uh because there's the segment with Bill Murray was fantastic. It's actually been shown a couple of times on the uh, in different uh, incarnations on uh, from different points of view. Uh, on what the was the date show. on that? The Bill Murray thing that that would have been that winter. That, that would have been ninety two, so, I think, as well. I know I watched that in high school for sure. I remember that segment very, very well. I believe it. It was the winter. You know, I got hired in the spring, and it would have been that winter. Um, it seems to me. Um, okay. Yeah. And this was a time when I really was still getting my feet wet at the show, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, I'd probably turned the corner as Rob put it and had, you know, some successes and had become part of things, but, um, but to be cast 12, in that bit. Feb 1293 sorry. was, was the Al Sharpton Bill Murray thing. What month? Oh, October. Uh, February, February 12th, 1993. February. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. There you go. So yeah, that's during the Dead Man so Wall. Yeah, there like yeah. three quarters of a year or so. Yeah. Um, but I didn't come up with that piece just for the record. I, no, no, I no. I can't remember for certain who did. It might have been Spike, um, but I was cast in it. And, yeah. Um, and I found myself, yeah, doing comedy with Bill Murray and... Al Sharpton, for God's sake, um, and skating with Bill Murray, holding hands. Uh, it was surreal. And I was, I was recognized on the subway the next day. Oh, um, that is, that's fantastic. I love hearing that yeah. PS to it. 
Uh, th- that was that. There's the question right there. So, so you're familiar with Joe Grossman, right? Like, uh, yeah, sure. I, okay, so he's really funny. Yeah. Oh, he's great. Ab- absolutely. Um, but also did not come up with this bit. Was cast in in the bit uh, because <laughs> right. of the because of the facial expression and whatnot. And 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 I love yeah uh, talking to him I about. Think he okay, got my my old parts. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so that was that was kind of where I'm going with that a little bit. Uh, yeah. In segments like that, where you were supposed to kind of have it the sullen kind of a thing, the Bill Murray one right. being probably the best example of that. Uh, because that's that was the centerpiece of the of of, of the writing. Um, did you break a lot during that? Like, were there times where he was trying to break you? No. It was it. Yeah. Okay. You guys just got her done. I I was terrified. I think so. I I wouldn't have been in a position to like be enjoying the comedy of Bill Murray okay. while I was on camera. I think I was just like, <laughs> oh, please don't let me screw this up because it was live. Yeah. You know, those <laughs> were not pre-taped rollings. Those were. A, a light would turn we're, on. We're the going through the halls. Suddenly, Here we go. And we're, yeah, like it was, it was live to tape, you know, TV. And so I, there was a whole audience watching me do that stuff. And no. Um, so yeah, it was live and we just did it. And uh, I was, you know, I was probably had, you know, just crazy amount of adrenaline and praying that I, I wasn't going to flub it, mess it up, make Bill Murray angry at me, <laughs> make Dave Letterman angry at me. Um, but I, even though I'm not a performer and I'm a shy guy, I did enjoy doing bits like that. It was, um, you know, for one thing, I think you got like, if it was like 700 bucks or something. Yeah. It was like a crazy amount of money to just get to, um, you know, people really wanted those, those little appearances because you could really supplement your, your income for the week from uh, getting cast in something. Well, Christian Um, Kai, when he came on, he talked about that. He, he broke it down because that's his mind, right? Breaking these things down for, he did that so long for, for the musical acts and whatnot. He very uh, succinctly put it. You wanted to be, um, is it a principal? Is that what it was? Uh, If you had a couple lines or whatever, you you wanted to speak, bumping it up. Yeah. It kept bumping it up as to, um as to as to what you could be now that being said uh when it comes to remotes and extras and things like that when you move over to late show probably mm-hmm. the most legendary legendary one is is um our our, our 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 fun with rupert segment that we all love so much with our friend rupert g uh by the way okay yeah. before we get to that uh how did it feel the first time you realized you had a sandwich named after you was that a that must have been kind of an easy <laughs> That was that was a lifetime highlight. I mean, there we go. That's never going to happen again. That was yeah. That was crazy. And then yeah, the only um, thing I'll say is I think it left the menu at some point, and I had to do some soul searching. But uh, <laughs> but um, no, I mean that was that was crazy. That was like for to be able to walk somebody to be able to bring my parents to a. A, you know, a deli in New York City and be like, look up there. I mean, oh my God, that was the the greatest thing ever. And I did happen to enjoy the Beckerman, although I, I feel I enjoyed the, sh- the Schaefer a bit more. That was more of my go-to. That one that seems to be the most, sandwich, the that I was going to say, that one seems to be the one that, that people seem to like the most. Um, I can still um, taste it today. In my mind, I can taste the Schaefer. Oh, that is going to, right there, that's going to that's gonna make Rupert feel so good right there. <laughs> what were you going to say, Don? I'm having trouble finding this top 10 list. Can you tell me again the... the oh, uh, too bad. The, the um, uh, 
I just don't remember very much about it. I don't remember the topic. topic, Uh, I feel like it might have been something about George uh, H.W. Bush, but I'm not positive. And I feel like it involved him jumping around saying more explosions, more explosions. Um, But that's all I can tell you. So Um, it would likely have been during the, uh, the election season of 92. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, could well, yeah, you weren't there for for Desert Storm, right? Uh, no, I was. So, but but yeah, like that had just happened. Yeah, yeah, okay. So we'll get it. We'll find it. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Now Don's Don gets on a mission, and (laughs) it may be midnight tomorrow night uh, where the text shows up, but it'll be. (laughs) (laughs) um okay so rupert we set the stage with that uh you know obviously Mm -hmm. the the affinity you guys have for each other um at rupert's retirement party there was a trivia contest uh i was standing right beside rob burnett most likely to his absolute chagrin ah crap i gotta stand beside the letterman podcast guy um (laughs) one of the questions was um fun with rupert and chris chakai actually was the guy who was uh, emceeing that trivia contest it was very very funny i saw it yeah it was and and uh Without missing a beat, you know, one of the questions. Uh, originally, Rupert was not cast in, um, in, 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 in the fun with Rupert segment. It was somebody else who was it. And without missing a beat, Rob Burnett beside me, John Beckerman, raises his hand, <laughs> wins the wins the T-shirt. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was a great moment. Um, the concept, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like such a natural concept. Dave is 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 more famous than almost anybody in New York. He cannot. He can no longer be the man on the street, but yet has Mm -hmm. the absolute, uh, uh, you know, is the perfect man on the street because of that razor sharp wit. Um, Right. The concept of having a device where he can still do that without actually doing that. It seems so natural. Do you remember? But at the same time, you're moving over from NBC to see was was that concept conceived as part of the bank? uh in 30 no. rock knowing we're doing that or was it actually conceived it uh, at cbs it came later okay yeah to, to my recollection it came later um they one of my first successful remotes was fun with a car phone oh at, i love car phone, night. car phone night was yeah and, yep yep and 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 McDonald's came before Fun with Rupert, right? Um, the drive-through. I, I believe yeah, the drive-through. Yeah. Uh, because oh, I, now you got me thinking. I, the reason I'm asking is because there was sort of a precedent. I mean, obviously, David called people on the phone, you know, and messed around with them. But yeah. there was kind of a precedent for pieces, and even pieces that I worked on because I, I was the one who pitched and edited uh, fun with a car phone. And then mm-hmm. I, I edited McDonald's. That wasn't my idea, but I'm pretty sure, but I, for some reason I edited that piece. Um, and so I think I had, you know, I'd thought a lot about, Oh, it's great when Dave can mess with people and they don't know it's him. <laughs> and then I think the, the jump was, and I don't know how I, or why I thought of it was, yeah, what if he's feeding lines to somebody like a puppet and, um, 
and you know we're shooting it with a hidden camera and like i knew that was a good idea but it was really half an idea because i called it fun with phil mm -hmm. and i was like yeah we introduced this guy phil who we can cast and you know we send him around and, and dave feeds him lines through an earpiece um and i was cast as phil <laughs> Um, not because I wrote it for myself. No. I didn't write it thinking I'd be cast. Um, but I think there was something about my kind of quiet hangdog, uh, persona that got me cast. And then, um, it wasn't until I'm pretty sure the day we were going to shoot it, that the word came down that Dave had second thoughts and wants to cast Rupert which I think the first step of that was we need to cast somebody. We can't, it seems awkward and weird to introduce this, not even real per like my name isn't Phil, you know, yeah. like wh who is this guy? Why is it him? You yeah. know, the audience doesn't know who this guy is. So let's do it with somebody the audience knows. And then by that point, the audience knew Rupert very well. And it felt like he'd be a good fit for the, the construct. And so he was cast. Um, and I think it was, uh, you know, the director's idea to um, put the glasses with the the camera and the bridge of the glasses on them so you could get the POV shots. Um, and the, the actual material of the piece, you know, I contributed to, but um, much of it was generated by the writers and by Dave himself, um, you know, on the fly. Uh, you know, I've, I've had comedy writers, I remember say to me over the years that, um, that they wish they could have the, the raw footage from that piece because, um, it was probably the best example of just Dave as, uh, an improviser that exists on tape because it would go on for hours Yeah, and he'd be improvising and, and much of it would be, um, just really great. I mean, we, we had more than enough for the pieces that we, we used, you know, um, mm -hmm. it was just a very fruitful use of his abilities, uh, you know, to come up with kind of characterizations off the top of his head and entire backstories for, <laughs> for who Rupert was and names and agendas and, and then when we got Leonard Tepper involved, it like, <laughs> it kind of cubed itself in its levels of insanity because Dave would be improvising conversation. He, it was only him feeding yeah. lines to both Rupert and Leonard, who if people remember was kind of a, a, an actor that we discovered and used in some bits who kind of resembled almost like a, a 1930s like strong man from a you know some like uh you know like weird new york comedy of the day or something he was just a a very odd looking and sounding guy and um Veronica. <laughs> yeah and so so we'd have you know obviously most of the comedy of fun with rupert was what are civilians going to say and react to, you know, to this crazy person, but it evolved to a point where we'd have David, you know, uh, Rupert and Leonard would be sitting 
across from each other at an outdoor uh, cafe, outdoor seating, facing each other, both wearing the backpacks that contain the equipment and the glasses that contain the hidden camera. And Dave would just be feeding them lines to have a conversation with each other, no matter if anyone was even listening. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of just like Dave improvising both parts of an extremely bizarre conversation you might overhear on the streets of New York City. And we would air this stuff. And it was it was fantastic. It was some of the funniest stuff that, in my opinion, was ever on the show. It was just, you know, Rupert and Leonard as these almost like midnight cowboy-esque duo of, you know, guys in, in Manhattan um, just... <laughs> just having lunch together it's uh oh god it was so fun it was so great um so uh, you're, you're i, I asked the chronology oh. uh, go I ahead was say that, uh, you're right about the the, the sequence uh fun okay. with the car phone was in september 93 and the first fun with rupert was a year later uh december 94 yeah there you go okay yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that sounds right to me um, <clears throat> because I, I, you know, there's the initial, that's the other part too, you know, Rupert appeared early on uh, with meet mm -hmm. the neighbors and, and, and you guys used him in other ways. Uh, so right. he was established on the show already. And, and I remember that. And then suddenly it's like, okay, now we're taking Rupert up to a next level. Like we're, 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 we're <laughs> right. adding, adding fuel to that, uh, uh, you know, rocket fuel to that. Um, yeah. safe to say you were in the van for most of those, uh, most of those, uh, yeah, segments? I, yeah. Yes. I, I went out, uh, for a bunch of those and then other people started, um, doing them too. Um, but I, I did several of them and edited, uh, several of them, which was. You kind edited of several of, of them. Wow. Well yeah, done, sir. That, well done. Oh, thank you. That's, I mean, that's tremendous. You know, with plenty of help from Rob and Dave, I should say, but that was that was a bear of a job because just you, you had hours and hours of footage, and you had to synchronize all the you know Dave in the in the van eating yep. lines, and then and the Rupert POV, and like I had never had an undertaking like that before. Um, yeah, and, and just then to the get astonished the look, and, Rupert saying his thing, and then the astonished <laughs> look of the person, and and the way that you guys would do it had that quick cut. In my opinion, uh, yeah, it's some of the greatest comedy editing ever. Was 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 stuff in that seg those segments. So for your part in that, congratulations on that. I need to oh, ask. And, if and I should say, when yes, I sir. say I edited them, I I'm using the wrong words because okay, obviously we had professional editors, of and course. I was not the person sitting at the uh, at the on the avid at the avid or at the yeah. time the precursor to that. Um, you know, very highly skilled editors like Mark Spada were actually doing that work, but I was um, supervising it as a producer and writer and, right. um, and that's really, I should have said producing the bits, okay. um, not editing them because I, I didn't. Um, All credit to those, uh, those guys and gals. Like, again, that is just an extremely well uh, put together piece from, yeah. like you said, combed through from hours of footage. Rupert's told us about the hours and hours and hours each one. Oh yeah. To break yeah. it down. And, and um, it's fun talking to the, to, to the writers, um, particularly on late show where extras became a thing where you learned how to become uh, a producer of a little mini show because you were a part right. of every single part of the process with, of course, 
a, a small crew that was with you two, you know, micro compared to a, an entire production, but really this, it's just scale. It's the same kind of process um, mm -hmm. in, in doing that. I need to ask, there's a specific one, in my opinion, the greatest, uh, the greatest Letterman bit that never existed, but could have existed happened in LA. And uh, I don't know if you know where I'm coming, coming with this, but there was a time where Rupert was in the van in LA and he was in the other van and, and there was a whole bunch of conversation going on and they were outside of a shoot somewhere looking at another shoot happening. And there was a decision that was made. No, we're not going to take part in this. The shoot that was happening was Jay Leno was doing something over there and it was a consideration if we're going to send Rupert to go bother Jay Leno and you guys decided not to do it. Were you in the van for that shoot? I don't think I was. Okay. Ah, I, uh, I feel bad, but I, I don't remember that. No, don't feel I bad. Don't I'm just that. looking. I'm, I'm the one guy who I know was in the van won't come on the damn show. And that's Mr. Walter Kim. Uh, you know, and I say that jovially and, and happily. I love Walter. Uh, I know he was in the van. I want to know about that moment very much because I want to know yeah. about the consideration. Did you hear about that? I don't remember. Okay. I, I just don't remember. It's uh man. I don't have the best memory in the best no, no, no. of times. And that, that's... that was, I don't, I just don't remember. Um, you know, that's pretty funny though. We should have done it. It would have been great. <laughs> Hindsight being 2020. Absolutely. Um, you know, but at the time when you think about the time and, 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 uh, the culture of the show and everything that was happening between both shows, you can certainly mm -hmm. see why it would be a debate and, and, and you can understand right. why the decision is made, but from a pure entertainment standpoint, um, boy, what a, what a thing that could have been. Yeah. Um, so, and, 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 uh, this is where I want to, Oh, what do we got here? You kind of froze up a no, little no, bit, Don. I, Can you show it again? I thought you, I thought you were finished. I, I didn't want to butt in. Um, no, no, no. Which of course, yeah. There this, he is. This is Leonard's There's Leonard. Yeah. Uh, oh, on late night. Crazy. He was part of a top 10 in Marg in Meg Parson's office. Oh my this God. October That's so 91. Funny. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, now that you've said that, Don, there's a whole bunch of people that have been asking me if we can get Meg on the show. I have actually tried. Um, I'm going to try again. I'm going to give it in, in 24. I'm going to try and, and reach out to her to get her on the show. That would be, a, again, you know, these are the, some of those seminal moments that made um, that the building blocks of, 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 of what Late Night and Late Show were. Um, okay. Whatever you do, don't, don't mention my name, whatever you do. Okay. All right. I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> okay. The... Uh, Oh, okay. at, at this time, John, you know, you, you, yeah. you're in, you know, talking about the culture between, um, you know, a uh, uh, late show and the tonight show at that point, um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the changes that have happened, you know, Morty leaving that sort of thing, worldwide pants now becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. At what point did your job description, and then never mind head writer. I mean, I, I, you know, we haven't even got to that. Oh my God. I can't believe we're almost two hours. We haven't got to that yet. Um, I'm having yeah. fun. I hope you're having some fun doing this. Oh and, yeah. And no, it's great. It's great. You excellent. Go as long as you want to go. Keep going. Excellent. Um, so, so when does head writer happen? And I mean, you know, uh, and, and then moving so, over to worldwide pants, that's the part I want to. Right. So head writer happens because, um, Rob is asked to, uh, or, you know, is interested in uh, developing uh, a sitcom with Bonnie Hunt, who was, yeah. you know, a good friend of the show. And um, a Worldwide Pants production 
and you know, which is a huge opportunity for him. Uh, he's put in a couple years as head writer, which is a long time to do that job. And I say that knowing there are people who've done it many multiples of two years. Mm -hmm. um, it's still a long time to do that job. And especially at the level at which he had done it, you know, the, the whole transition uh, from 1230 to 1130 and, you know, launching the show as a massive hit. Um, so he got that opportunity and decided to take it and had to pass the baton. And the decision was made to, uh, to have it be me and Donick to do it together. And, um, uh, you know, Rob had evolved a very close relationship working relationship with Dave that neither Don Donick nor I had. Mm -hmm. um, Rob was, uh, was in his thirties. We were in our, you know, mid twenties. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it wasn't fun. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. I yeah. think, you know, we, we, we certainly wanted to succeed and, and put everything we had into it. Um, but uh, for whatever reason, I mean, I, I got to the point where I simply couldn't um, do it anymore. Yeah. And uh, I think after like a year or so, something like that, maybe a little more, um and i i said so and you know felt bad about sort of uh uh you know i don't want to say abandoning donick but i i just felt like i just didn't want to do this anymore and so i i stopped doing it and you know continued on as a writer which mm -hmm. i still wanted to be and Donick finished out the term and then left the show uh, and moved to LA and, you know, continued on with what has been a spectacular uh, career and, you know, including like the Simpsons and, mm -hmm. you know, creating stuff and, uh, you know, all kinds of things. And uh, uh, yeah, so, so, you know, look, all I'm going to say is um, either at that point in my life, I wasn't entirely up to the task. Dave wasn't entirely up, opened <laughs> to the uh, scenario mm -hmm. or some combination of the two. But uh, that was that was about as low as I've been kind of emotionally, maybe in my life. Uh I was at a very bad place from having done that for a year. Um, so what happened was uh, when Donick left, it was like, well, they're going to have to find someone else. Now, in the meantime, I should add, I think. So one day I'm minding my own business uh, in the writer's office and Rob calls up and says, I've left the Bonnie Hunt show that hasn't worked out. And, um, 
and I want to know if you'd be interested in developing a show with me because, you know, by that point we had collaborated a lot. Um, and I guess he, you know, thought of me as somebody he'd like to work with, uh, which is very flattering. And, and I said, you know, yeah, I'd love to do that. And so that's when the development process for Ed began. Now, in the meantime, um, uh, You know what? <laughs> Wait, no, I I did. I have this right. Okay, this yes, this is all accurate. Yeah. So <laughs> everything I've said so far has been correct. So <laughs> the next thing that happens is um, Joe Toplin, who had been a, a very highly regarded writer on NBC, came in and um, and took the head writer position. Yep, and I started developing Ed with Rob. So that became like my job. Um, you Were know, you still writing for Letterman at all at this point? I may have been very marginally, but not really. Um, still working out of your office at the Ed though? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I was moved to a different office on a different floor, um, yep. like a development office. Like a pants office and, as opposed to a late show yeah. office. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Rob and I would, um, you know, we were starting from square one of what kind of show we wanted to do and that the development process of that show was very unusual, but that's what I was doing. And then several months into that, um, Rob says, Johnny, let's take a walk. <laughs> and I'm like, what's this going to be? And he explains to me that something very big is happening, which is that uh, Dave has asked Rob to replace Morty as EP of, uh, of the show of, mm. of the, of late show. Um, and, you know, and I don't remember or know how much it was also about taking the helm of pants, you know, and all of that side of it. But it was like, Dave wants me to run, the late show. So I'm not going to be able to do, you know, a primetime series with you at this time. Um, we can do it later, but it's not going to happen right now. Uh, and I would really like you to be my head writer um, while I'm doing this. And, and so this was a job that, as I said, had, been very unpleasant for me yep. um and but i really wanted to develop a show with rob and so i i said and again i know i'm sounding probably privileged and unappreciative of of opportunities i was offered Absolutely who wouldn't want to be not. the head writer of, of yeah. a of a big hit comedy show but some things you learn just aren't for you um yes and i but I said, yes, I said, I'd do it for a year. And, um, and so I did. And, uh, was it easier the second time than it was the first time? I think it was easier in some ways. I think it was easier to do it myself rather than with Donick, not in any way because Donick isn't amazing, but I think there's some jobs that are best held by one person. Yep. And when it's just you, like 
I don't know. You just, it's more manageable to my brain when it's just me and, and I've got to get it done. Um, the rapport with Rob certainly helped as well, right? That couldn't have been a, that was a tool that you didn't necessarily have in the same way before. That's true. I, yes, I think, I think it was, um, I think it was a boon that Rob was there because like the first, the first time Donick and I had been head writer together, it was like Dave's right-hand man had left the building and it was like, now there's these two punks and you know, at least when I was doing it for this, my second stint, uh, Rob was there, you know? And so Dave was comfortable with having his guy there. And uh, I um, still didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah. That was you're a not show writing as much. much. Like you're, 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 yeah. you're, you're, you're making sure the stuff that comes in fits the sensibility of the show and you're piecing it and all, the, all these other moving parts when... This is a mm -hmm. lampoon kid who loves to write and you're now not getting a chance to write the way that you were. And you have all these other things that you're not necessarily yeah. wired for, right? Like it's a different I like gig. to sit. It, it, it is. I like to sit in a room by myself or with another couple people yeah. and have a, you know, an hours long conversation that eventually develops into a great idea. I like to sit at a computer and know that in an hour I need to hand in a bunch of top tens and see if they can be the best, you know, I'm capable of doing. Yeah. I don't like looking at a calendar and thinking about, oh, if we want to do, um, you know, a wacky props piece three weeks from now, I have to assign it today and I have to get it to, you know, the art department you know, on Monday, I hate having to think about stuff like that. Yeah. I, you know, on any job I've had since then, and I probably could have done this better at the time, but I didn't have the tools to know this. Yeah. I would have delegated that. I would have said to somebody, you know what? I want to do wacky props at some point. It's your job to figure out yeah. how to implement that on, on the schedule. But I don't You're my organizational was... czar. Here you go. I don't want to yeah. think about it. Yeah. 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 And I didn't have that. And maybe it's just part of the way, you know, everyone's brains are different. I don't have that capability. Um, I'm also you delegate. Right. But I didn't know that. And nobody told me that. And I didn't have the maturity or tools to realize it and to stand up and say, I need somebody to do this for me. Um, I also, uh, you know, I mean, I think I had a certain rapport with Dave, but it wasn't what Rob had and who knows why. Um, but, you know, I remember going out on a remote with him early in my time there and he asked me how old I was. And I said, 23. And he said, I'm 46. I'm twice your age. And <clears throat> 23 year gap, that's a lot. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, and, and younger people than me went on to be the head writer and, you know, what can I tell you? I just, I, um, I think I, you know, I was probably just, uh, I didn't have the confidence that I probably should have had at that age. 
to do that job. I, um, you know, I felt I was stepping into not just the shoes of Rob, but the shoes of people like Steve O'Donnell and Meryl Marco, who, you know, I considered Giants. just incredibly brilliant, you know, yeah, like legends. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I'd be far better to do that job today than I was then, but I would never do it today. <laughs> um, uh, Smart enough yeah, to know better. I, yeah. Yeah, I think I just, you know, Joe, there were... Joe Grossman. What about Joe? Oh, no, well, he, I'm sorry. Um, Joe had, had said to Mike on, on one of his conversations that early on, on late night, Dave's writers were maybe a couple years younger than him. Yeah. Uh, Jerry right. was a couple years older than him. They were peers. That's right. They were more peers. And that's right. And the age of the writers remained constant while Dave got older. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely correct. So, uh, and so, I, I think it figures into yeah, and, and, how things evolved over the years on that show. Um, it's funny. I've been, um, yeah. for some reason, I've been watching a lot of Larry Sanders lately and uh, you know, which I watched back in the day, but I, I don't know why, but something got me to, just start kind of binging it uh, yeah. for fun. And what I notice about the show, you know, much of it uh, uh, is kind of in some ways true to my experience working at in late night. But the thing that never resonated with me on that show then or now is that the staff is not afraid of Larry. The staff is just talking to Larry. Like he's, he's one of them in a yeah. way, like yeah. staffers at all levels. <laughs> They're, yeah. they're, they're not afraid of him. Yep. They're not like, uh, you know, they're, they sometimes kind of are critical of him. They, you know, they zing him or they mouth off to him or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, there may be shows where that's the case, but this was not one of those shows, you know, and some of it may have owed to the fact that I was, he was literally twice my age, you know? Yeah. So it wasn't like I was having a beer with the guy. Mm -hmm. It just like, you know, it just wasn't that at all, you know? Um, uh, so yeah, I forgot what question I was answering, but, but yes, <laughs> I did. I did it twice. I think it probably was a bit easier the second time. Yep. Um, Actually, and there's then, a third time. There's a third time back it, it, further on to 98 where you and Rob are sharing the, or at least the closing credits state that you and Rob were sharing the uh, head writer credits. I don't even know what that was. <laughs> yeah, I don't and, even know what that was. Probably a transition see, see, period or late, something. Look, back on late, you know what, the closing crawl. Here, if I had to guess, I'd say I'm what, sorry, what that was mm -hmm. with me and Rob is, I bet what that was, was, um, we were probably, it was probably at the point where I had been told you can are now fully resume just development for worldwide pants. But Rob probably was like, listen, I kind of need, need to you to hang in there for a few months and kind of juggle a couple balls here and I'll do it with you 
So like you, you won't feel like it's just on you for that time. We'll do it together and then we'll be done. And I think that's what that, I think that's the explanation for that. I think that's what happened there. The, the more I'm looking at it, 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 it may be even more simplified than that because that the, the, the show where you and Rob shared head writer credits along with Rodney uh, was on the primetime special, the fourth primetime special. Oh. So it was, well, a, that's it was a an even simpler explanation. A, yeah. Okay. Um, you know what, 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 and this goes back to what I didn't realize was that Ed was a good four years gestation. It, it yeah. was nearly that. It was yeah. nearly that. Uh, it started in 2000, in right? Fact, 2000. But you know what, Don? About? I think, I think the first, um, the first script with a date on it could have been as early as 96. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, because we, we worked on it for a little while at that point, it was a half hour. Um, and then we got, you know, pulled out of it to, uh, go back to running late show. And then we got back into it. Um, you know, did a whole development season with CBS. Uh, they shot, they made the pilot, but then passed on putting it on the schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, NBC executives saw it and liked it and asked us to redevelop it with them um, with the same cast who luckily were available. And that was the point at which, uh, so the CBS pilot was simply a guy, a guy's whole life collapses in a day and he moves uh, or he goes back to his hometown on kind of a drunken inspired quest to ask out the girl he never had the guts to ask out in high school and kind of restart his life by doing so and um and you know when she doesn't completely uh reject him he's so excited that he buys the local bowling alley that that he had you know gone to as a kid um, and decides to move there. Sounds a little stalkery from a 2023 point, 2024 <laughs> point of view, but uh, <laughs> what, what can I say? Um, that was the, the CBS version. When NBC wanted to redevelop it with us, they said, uh, you're going to need to add a franchise, which is the kind of showbiz term for uh, jobs like, you know, lawyer, doctor, yeah. things where you can have a case of the week structure. Mm -hmm. And I remember Rob and I sitting down making a list of every job, <laughs> just every job people have, you know, and deciding that lawyer was the right kind of job for this character in this town. And uh, one of the executives at the time, uh, Scott Sassa, he was the guy who was like, he should put his office right in the bowling alley. <laughs> and we we're like, huh, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. And uh, so I have to credit him for that. And that's what the tagline for the show always, what everyone who knew the show, oh, the bowling alley lawyer show. Yeah, okay. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And uh, and so we added that element where he could, um, you know, help the different quirky townsfolk with their legal issues. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, um, and that was the version that ended up um, 
airing on NBC and going for four seasons. I got to ask about that. David Letterman is this is the the, the we've had uh, George Schweister on the show before, uh, and 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 I mean I want to get some other CBS executives. I'm working on that, but but mm-hmm. but, but George did a really good job talking about how. Um, you know, it, this is a historic thing. David Letterman, the signature star of of of, of CBS, um, and 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 the the disappointment that must have been felt um, at certain levels of CBS passing on this show, NBC picking up this show. NBC has now got a worldwide pants show on. Uh, yeah. people make fun of CBS for what are you doing? You're not picking up the show. If uh, you know you're one of your your CBS signature stars, uh, did that? disappointment or ridicule or, or, or any of the feelings that came with that reach your level? Here's, here's how I look at that. First of all, I think one of the reasons NBC wanted the show is because they liked the idea of having the guys from Letterman do a show for them instead of CBS. I think they, you know, I think that appealed to them as Littlefield liked that idea. Warren Littlefield liked that idea. Guys like that. Well, it was Jeff Zucker and Scott Sasso. Okay. And I think okay. they like they liked the idea. Um, I mean, they wouldn't have done it if they didn't see something in the show and in Absolutely. Tom Cavanaugh and, the, and Julie Bowen and the other people we had on the show. Um, but they uh, they liked that idea. The second thing I'll say is that. You know, I always tell people like kind of younger than me in the business and whatever that like there are there are times in your career when the wind is blowing at your back and there are times where you're trying to walk into the wind. Mm-hmm. And when you see someone succeeding, if you've been around a while, you know that part of it is their merit and part of it is that the wind is blowing on their back in some way you're not aware of, most yep. likely, yep. right? At the time that I did Ed, I was a 20-something guy who had never worked on a sitcom or on an hour-long dramedy or on a legal show or on a show shot on film or any of these things. Mm-hmm. I was a talk show writer, right? Um Rob had marginal experience outside of being a very successful late night talk show writer. Mm-hmm. The fact that um, we even got to develop uh, a primetime comedy for CBS was because the wind was blowing at our backs. We were two of the value people at one of the hottest things the network had going. Mm-hmm. We were the guys I mean, not to take away from our achievement, you know, nope. Rob had masterminded the transition to, uh, you know, the writing, the new show. I was by his side for that. Yep. And, um, but suffice it to say, like, there's reason to think that they only ordered it to please Dave, not because they thought, oh, this will be a hit for our network, you know? Yeah. Um, it was not the type of show that was, you know, usually developed or usually put on the air. Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel like it was this thing where like, yeah, you know, we made this deal with Worldwide Pants. They brought us a, a you know, piece of material. We'll buy it. We'll mm-hmm. even go as far as to let them shoot it. But we're not putting this on the air, you know? Like it's not, it just wasn't suited for their air. Yeah. Um, 
And some of that, by the way, they may have been absolutely right about. Like sure. I said, it didn't, he wasn't a lawyer. It, it might not have, they may have been absolutely right to not do it. But I think it only got as far as it got because of the circumstances around it. The wind was at our backs. Yeah. And, and, you know, the fact that I, that I had a created by, you know, co-created by and shared uh, EP credit on literally the first primetime series I ever worked on is absurd. Yes. And I was the wind at my back guy at that point that other people must have looked at and been like, what is this about? In the meantime, I didn't have any of the training to do mm -hmm. that job. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, I didn't, I'd never done it before, you know, and I, I had to learn to do it on the job. And uh, so, you know, Again, not sure what question I'm answering. Uh, no, no, no. I, but I gotta. I, I'm. I'm gonna. This is where I jump in and talk about the charming uh, self-deprecation that that comes in. There's steak and sizzle. You're talking about the sizzle got you to that place, but the show is mm -hmm. the steak. There, the reason that we keep asking oh, and people yeah. have been asking for years about the show, like the show was fantastic, and and, oh, and it lasted thanks. for four. It lasted for four seasons. That's yeah. nothing to sneeze it at. It did exactly. You're right. You're right. And I, God, yeah, I. Um... You know, I wish I had enjoyed it more while it was happening because uh <laughs> Yeah. And you got Burt Reynolds. <laughs> we got Burt Reynolds, man. I <laughs> yeah, Burt Reynolds. I, I have to tell a quick side story, which is that um so that was the point. Rob and I <laughs> Rob and I loved uh Burt Reynolds just from you know uh being Gen Xers and uh yep. you know, you love Burt Reynolds. He was Absolutely. like he was the greatest and and so we were casting, uh, you know, we had our character, Mike, played by Josh Randall, who was Ed's best friend. And we mm -hmm. decided to do a storyline with um, with Mike's dad. And so, you know, you are always encouraged to stunt cast things. Sometimes you want to. Sometimes it'd be fun to, you know, bring in somebody that's amazing. Like we had gotten to stunt cast uh, John Goodman and, yeah. you know, a bunch of other people. And we... Uh, and so, yeah, the idea of Bert came up and he said yes. And suddenly <clears throat> there we are on set with Bert Reynolds and had our picture take. I mean, we just couldn't believe Bert Reynolds was on our show. And <laughs> but the story is that Bert, uh, Bert's character was supposed to like kind of do that to Mike's cheek, like, you know, like kind of condescending, yeah, you know, face slap. Bert slapped Josh with all the strength in his body. And he did it on every take. And, and Josh, I, Rob and I were not on set for this, I don't think, because I, I think we would have had to intervene and we weren't informed of this. But it got back to us that Josh was getting angrier and angrier. And it sort of was this thing of like, Am I going to tell Burt Reynolds to ease off? Does that? It was like some kind of alpha thing. But Josh had this just like, I mean, this is a horrible story, but it's also funny, I guess. But it was like, it was something in Burt that like he, he had to do this to Josh and see if Josh could roll with it, which I guess, I guess Josh did. But how crazy is that? It's like, 
there were I don't think there was a stunt man on set for the day because we didn't think we were doing a stunt. We thought we were doing this. And yeah, I, I don't know if I told that to anybody publicly before I, but uh, God, God rest Burt Reynolds for, he was a maniac. Old school. <laughs> yeah. He was, he, he was that. Um, uh, I hate, I hate that yeah. we have to move. I hate that we have to move toward the end of this. Um, that's okay. Uh, okay, so so I feel like we've jumped through a few hoops here. You've had mm -hmm. fun, right, John? Like I've had an absolute blast yeah. talking to you about this stuff. Um, yeah. If we can redesign a way that will entice you to come back, will you come back? Can we figure out something that we can have you back in a future episode yeah. to talk about some more stuff? Yes. Would you say no? Because I'm asking you right now with the camera on. I, no, this has been a blast. Like it really is. Um, can I ask you about your T-shirt real quick? Oh, I did you custom make that? You guys, did you? No. Okay. I, uh, this shirt, I just happened to see, um, I think online at some point and it was go. for sale and I, I bought it. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. It's great. I don't know if that um, would have been a, a Carson shot or not. Um, but anyway, it was in the opening crawl of, of, of late night. Um, it was, it was a video. So it was, it was unlikely marks. Yeah. Right. Well, there you go. That's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. right. Um, that's so anyway, uh, uh, I want to finish off a little bit, uh, just real quick, uh, asking you about what it is that you're, what you're doing. That part doesn't have to be quick. Um, and then I've got a little teeny tiny anecdote that O'Donnell gave me. And I want to go back to that moment of the, 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 okay. the, the part before head writer, before all the moving over all that stuff sure, about sure, the writer sure. room. Um, but I want to know about what you're doing now and some of the projects originally when I, when I, when I reached out to you, uh, London, right? Doing some stuff. I in was England heading and... off to London. Yeah. yeah, I um, yeah. So um, you know, so I've I've spent the last uh several years in LA, uh, you know, developing uh many projects for uh, uh different networks and you know the way the way one does mm -hmm. and um uh and I you know, I, I, I have one that's going to be on TV. So that's, that's, uh, that's the big news, which is great. Um, so this show is called, uh, dinner with the parents and it's, um, there's a show, uh, that was on for, uh, several years, uh, series, not seasons as they call them over there. Mm. Um, uh, they say like the first series, the second series. I don't yep. know why they, they do that, but um, it's called Friday night dinner. It was created by a brilliant guy named Robert Popper. And you might be able to see it on a streamer um, here now. I'm not, you know, things come and go. I don't mm -hmm. know, but, um, but it Who's was a show. What's that? I didn't hear Don. Sorry. Did you say something? A blues traveler. No, blues traveler. What? I don't understand yeah, the reference. Popper. Oh, John Popper. Oh, Popper. That's where it is. Oh, okay, <laughs> there you go. Sorry, Don. Yeah. Normally, I'm quicker, and I would have got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always <laughs> funny when you have to explain it. Oh, yeah, that's right. I have met both Poppers because I <laughs> I, I got to meet John back in the '90s uh, when he was on the Letterman Show and yeah. hang out with him, and uh, then many years later, uh, the great Robert Popper, who. Um, yeah, he's one of you know the top comedy guys um, 
over there in the UK and he created a show, uh, you know, kind of based on his family in which um, the, the sort of uh, construct is of it is that every Friday night, uh, this mom and dad's two <clears throat> uh, young adult sons come over for a uh, Shabbat dinner and the, you know, it's very farcical. So it's, it's not, it's not like, oh, they all sit at the table and talk about what happened to them that week. And you see flashbacks. It's none of that. It's just, they all meet for dinner and things go, you know, absurdly wrong for all sorts of reasons because they're all maniacs and they, you know, they all uh, uh, make terrible choices. Yeah. And, and there had been, some attempts to uh, develop it for American television that had not gone all the way. Um, but a lot of people still seem to believe that there was no reason why this couldn't work as an American show. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and at some point I was looking for something to do and um, uh, Kate Adler and Alec Botnick uh, at CBS studios had, you know, the rights to do this and, um, and asked me if I wanted to take a shot at it. And I looked at the show and I, I felt that the family was, you know, had a lot of, of similarities to mine just in its, you know, a, a mom, a dad, two brothers, yep. uh, who are, you know, kind of jokers. And, um, and so I took, I took my version of it out uh, and, you know, long story short, it's going to be on Amazon uh, this year. Um, and it's now called dinner with the parents. Yep. Sorry, I'm losing my voice after all these hours doing this. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, um, it's something I'm, I'm enormously uh, proud of and excited to get out in front of people. Uh, I don't know if you'll know these names, but um the stars include uh, Michaela Watkins, Dan Bacadal, uh Carol Kane, um, a guy who's huge on YouTube named uh, Daniel Thrasher as one of the brothers. Yeah. Uh, Henry Hall, uh, who is uh, equally fantastic and uh, more of a newcomer and plays the other brother. And um, uh, John Glazer, who people who love late night might yeah. know from Conan, uh, but yeah. who's also done other many hilarious things uh, as their neighbor. Um, so always got to be a wacky cast, neighbor, right? Yes. Uh, and he is that. And uh, <laughs> we also had the delight of having uh, Rob Delaney guest as a different neighbor on a couple episodes uh, and be phenomenal. Um, and many hilarious uh english actors because we we shot the show um outside of london yeah. uh and um you know we all flew over there and did it for four months and uh you know i have many stories to tell from that but but maybe maybe once the show premieres we can well, uh, talk about it yeah we um, just created a natural point to when the show premieres that we'll 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 we'll, we'll do then uh, a very cool kind of deep dive for everything that you can say at that point when is the show premiering 
Um, I haven't been given an official date okay. yet. But, but 24, I, though. It'll be in 24. It'll be in, uh, well, God willing, it'll be in 24. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. How, many um, episodes? How many episodes? There's 10 of them. 10 uh, roughly half hour episodes. <clears throat> and Congratulations. Will they, will they all come Thank out you. at the same time or scattered? Um, I don't know, know yet. yet. Uh, yeah. No, I don't know yet. I was talking to Chris I Harris. Think, and uh, you couldn't get Hugh Laurie. I, 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 love, I love what they did with Frasier. I love that they released them one yeah, week. Yeah, isn't it great? It's oh, so yeah. great. The and, show itself, but also the fact that they didn't just Throw the whole season on us where 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 my wife and I could because we would have inhaled it in a weekend. And and I am so grateful to the fact that that they made us wait for it. There was a couple episodes like mm-hmm. back in the day. We watch it twice um uh, in between and 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 it was such so rich and so good. Um yeah. yeah. I mean, but whether or not I can't wait to watch it just to support what you're doing too. But it sounds like it sounds like it's gonna be really uh a great piece of entertainment that you've made. Congratulations on that. It feel good I to finish so. it. Feel good to, to see it to fruition like that. Oh yeah. I mean, it, uh, for me, it was very satisfying. Um, <clears throat> I, I loved the whole prospect, uh, process of doing it from beginning to end. And, uh, the people I got to work with, including, uh, Tristram Shapiro, uh, Dora Kakar, who's one of the uh, British producers of the show, Kenton Allen, um, Gina Lyons. Uh, you know, it was great having making a new family um, over uh, in England, and um, uh, and the cast. I adore, and I I just I'm excited for people to see it because, um, you know, I I I was really left alone. Uh, not that you know the network and studio don't have their input they do and it it was very helpful but i there wasn't anything i wanted to do that i couldn't do um awesome and the actors were able to take everything uh i threw at them and make it uh so much better um and the writers were uh really terrific and great to work with so yes this is this is um Look for whatever reason. Maybe it's my um, my advanced age and my uh, depth of experience, but it's I can't complain about this one. I would no. I would love to do it again, and I hope I get to. Um, and uh, are, are, yeah, it was great. I hope you do it. All, oh, go ahead. Are, are the characters all British? You mentioned Carol Kane. I mean, I mean um, do they are, are, are they? Are they acting they're as not British. no they're not they're acting as american <clears throat> which is what they are um yeah so it's like it's very simply um what yeah. if you know a typical american family got to dinner uh, got together for dinner every friday night and things went you know horribly wrong uh that's that's what it is um right. and why we shot it in england you know, maybe will someday be explained to me, well, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but, but the show, um, the show takes place in America and with the exception of some of our lovely guest cast who yeah. we couldn't fly in just to do, you know, uh, a single scene, um, uh, uh, 
the cast is American. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, got to work with a lot of uh, English character actors who would be very well known to, uh, you know, English viewers and maybe less so to American ones, which is fun. Um, that is fantastic. Um, I'm, we're about to turn into a pumpkin here. The, 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 okay. the system is going to shut down. So I have to, I have to close her off. Um, John, you have been spectacular. I thank you so, so much thank for coming for on the Letterman podcast. Are you kidding me? This has been such a, a pleasure and an honor to have had you here. Um, I just appreciate you for, 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 for how thoughtful you have been, uh, throughout this whole process, but also, uh, I thank you so much for contributing to this body of work that we care about so, so much and being such a big, uh, contributor to that. Thank you so well, much, John. I appreciate how much you care about it because it's nice to have somebody care about, you know, the, the work that you put some of your, um, best and, you know, uh, most productive time into. So yeah, yeah. thank you for caring. Thank you. Oh. Uh, it's been great. I, was, I can't I was, wait to have you back and, and give but, give our best to Rob Burnett. I was going to say this wait, on what camera, was, but I don't think it's going to be possible. Oh, what was that, Don? I was, Don's I, was frozen again. I was going to say this off camera, but oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, I was going to say this off camera, but I don't think that's going to be possible. Uh, thank you for you know what. You're welcome, Don. I do know what, and look, you. Uh, you know, you I'm don't have say, to no, no, you because stop right I, there. okay. Um, but I do, I do want to hear what Steve O'Donnell said about me. What happened to that? Oh, you yeah. know what? No. Uh, okay. It was, it was, a. Uh, uh, he talked about how you were, you got to see the best of the writer's room and he, he referenced uh -huh. a couple of things about uh hot potato, um, um, oyster eating <laughs> contests. Um, some of the things that yeah. were, that were there. And, and that was the, um, tub you know, of tea comes to mind. Tub there we go. Of tea. Yes, we would get a uh, delivery from a Chinese restaurant, and if you ordered tea, it would come in you know a delivery container, meaning a plastic tub with a lid snapped onto it, as if yeah. it were you know fried rice or whatever. <clears throat> and it'd be this boiling hot tub of tea, and there there was a thing where everyone would chant tub of tea and you would have to drink this just punishingly hot liquid that was just cooking you from the inside out. Um, yeah, there was a bunch of stuff like that. It was, it was a really fun room. I, you know, it was, uh, as it was at the time, a, a largely male and extremely white room, mm -hmm. which I think was to the, the deficit of the show, but, um, but it was nevertheless, um, you know, I, we've talked about many of the people and some we, we haven't gotten around to like Steve yeah. Young, we haven't really discussed, uh, who's somebody I loved, but, um, He's uh, been talked about. <laughs> no, I know, I know he has next um, time. And Jerry, Jerry, for God's sake, uh, we have, have, um, it was it was a great group of people to be part of, uh, and I miss them. Um, you Did know, they treat I, you as an equal or or as a, a plebe? Well, I mean, you know, initially a plebe, and then eventually, uh, I would hope an equal. I mean, Donick is you know pretty much mm -hmm. same age as me. Um, 
<clears throat> Spike just, you know, tiny bit older. Jill Davis is just a, a tiny bit older, I think. And um, uh, so, you know, it wasn't like I was like a little kid compared to many of them. Um, and I still see uh, Donick and Rodney quite regularly. Um, Rodney, I used to live in Venice here in LA and um, Rodney and his family moved to a house that was like a 40 second walk from ours. And mm. I've moved since then, but like for a while, you know, mm. we could just drop by each other's house and, <clears throat> and Donick is still a really good friend and Rob and uh, you know, all these years later. So um, as I said on the, the, uh, the Letterman channel, that's, that's really what I take away from that is there were just people I loved and admired um, so much and got to work with. And that's, that's what it's all about. Well, and today's episode uh, has been an expansion of that. Uh, tell all those three that they're all on my list. And uh, um, uh, mm -hmm. this has been, uh, it's great to do this. One of the things that I want to do with this show is create some of these, like, like Steve uh, Young and Steve O'Donnell are going to be coming on at the same time. And we're going to be going through some stuff and, and reminiscing that way. And, 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 um certainly any of your to that. yeah any of your fraternity that we ever want to do that with any combinations of uh of uh you know there's an open forum to do that um and i'm happy to just help provide a structure for that all of us as the folks who um adored what it was that you guys did uh will be um you know a secondary uh recipient of this amazing um fraternity and, and resharing of these memories uh john beckerman you are you are a giant yourself sir um and i know that you will never think that but there are many of us who do uh believe that and and are very very grateful for your work thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be on the letterman podcast and to be just to, to be on here as long as you were and and this it, this felt really really good thank you so much man uh thank you for having me it's an like I said, it's an honor to have anybody want to talk to me for a couple hours. I, I'm grateful. Um, and it was fun. Thanks, guys. Outstanding. Thank you, Don. Appreciate you as well. Uh, I'll do a real you quick outro. Go. Mike and I, you can go. go. Ahead. John and I can keep on talking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to do a quick outro. Um, this is why we do the show. Uh, this is exactly why we do the show. Um, so great talking with John about his tenure. Uh, in the productions of David Letterman and company. Uh, go to Hello-Deli, our one and only sponsor. Hello-Deli.com, your only source for official Late Show with David Letterman merchandise per uh, packed with care by Rupert G. himself. Hello-Deli.com. And uh, this has been another episode of the Letterman Podcast with Mike Chisholm. Coincidentally, I am Mike Chisholm. Thank you and good night. Overcoat and underpants. <laughs>